I do have a little uh, entremont. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. And it's uh, Sunday, January 19th, 2014. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 584. This is No Agenda. Working as a non-shielded journalist from FEMA Region 6 to the Travis Heights hideout in Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, it's Bingo. Yeah, Bingo, that's my name. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to say I'm John C. Dvorak. No, Bingo. I've changed my name to Bingo. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. What, what is that? <laughs> I figure. I was thinking about this this morning. Oh, God. What is well, a guy? Why, why would you have a network TV show, MSNBC, and have a guy named Toure? <laughs> It's not his name. <laughs> you want to be known as Bingo. <laughs> I think Bingo is a good name. Well, hold on. But then I want a, a, a like a Toure type name. I'll be Ringo. It's Bingo and Ringo. No, no, no. No, we can't have rhyming <laughs> names. Bingo and Ringo. Well, why are you Bingo? We but you have Dingo come on the show. We have a trio. <laughs> there you go. Okay. That's his name. His name is Toure, isn't it? Wait, was he born? Okay, lady, there's the birth certificate. Does he have a first name? No. Last name? No. It's just Torre. Right. No, that's yeah. not possible. Right. But but that has to that has to be his actual first name, I think. Could be his last name. Well, let's take a look. Who would be named? What kind of a first name is Torre? Torre. Torre Neblet. Neblet? <laughs> N-E-B-L-E-T-T. Neblet. Is that his name? Yes. Uh, Toure, born Toure Neblet, is an American writer and television personality. And he was born, where was he born? Uh, he was born... Uh... Why did he call himself Neblet? <laughs> well, I'm calling him Neblet from now on, that's for sure. I am too. It's <laughs> definitely Neblet. He's from Boston. That's a very Bostonian name. Tour. Oh, well, I didn't realize that was actually some first name that he has. So I can't guess bingo doesn't work. I just have to be John. That's kind of <laughs> Yeah, <dull>. no. <laughs> wow, you've really thrown me for a loop once again. Unexpected. Huh. Yeah. Well, you can start the show over, but I... I I'm not going to start the show over. Absolutely not. Yeah, bingo's good. Yeah. For today's show only, though. Uh, before we uh, get underway, first I have to say I cheated a little bit yesterday. Just a teeny weeny, weeny little bit. Wait, you didn't go to the spinning class? <laughs> I went to the spinning class. No, that was a Friday. Now, yesterday I spent most of the day uh, prepping, uh, doing everything, working really hard. Um, we had a late lunch, didn't have dinner because we were invited uh, to go uh, to see Tony Bennett perform live here in Austin. He's still alive? 87 years old. Jeez. And let me tell you, and he only he only does like an hour and 15 minutes, you know, so it's, we were we were out, out the door at 9.30 with everybody else with their walkers and Zimmer frames. But uh, uh, a friend of ours, Eric Copper, he, he had a, a balcony, you know, the whole, like a whole side of the balcony was champagne. It was completely perfect. And they, oh, you were in the champagne room. Yes, and uh, and Tony Bennett, and it's un. This guy's unbelievable. Let's hope so. At, at the at the very end, his you know he does like two encores. At the very end, he does. Uh, oh, what's the song? Uh, Fill my heart with uh, "Fly Me to the Moon." I think. And okay. he he so he starts off the song. Fill my heart. It's like you got somehow you jump from that to fly me to the moon. It's fly me to the moon. Yeah. Fill my heart with song. Da, da, na, 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 na. 
Let the Jupiter and Mars. Yeah, it's fly me to the moon. But after, like, the, he starts the song off and then he puts the microphone down and sings the rest of the song unamplified. 87 years old. And you're sitting there like, holy crap, this guy, this, where is it coming from? It was, it was quite spectacular. He has a lavalier. <laughs> Thanks, John. Buzzkill. Uh, and then I had some news for you, which uh, I think you'll enjoy. Uh, but we uh, we hosted uh, so Mickey has a Miss Mickey has a uh, an art expo on uh, coming up twenty uh, second of February here in Austin. Uh, so that's a really big deal, and it's with another artist, Peggy Weiss. And Peggy Weiss, she and her husband Ron uh, ran probably one of the most famous restaurants in Austin for I don't know thirty years called Jeffrey's, and they just recently sold their majority stake there in their sixties, and um, and so we had them over. And I somehow I got kind of wrangled into, yeah, they'll come over and you'll cook. And let me tell you something. Cooking for famous restaurateurs is uh, intimidating. Yeah, I would think. <laughs> Incredibly intimidating. So I went for my standard, my surefire, the one I know will always work. Which is? The double dip depression slave stew. Oh, yeah, that will be a, always work. And uh, let me read to you email I got from Ron. Oh, you're, wait, hold on. Okay, yeah, okay. What? So you're proud of yourself, and now you're going to read your own. Again, you've only done this a couple of times, but I've called you out every time. <laughs> what? You're going to read fan mail. It's actually fan mail for you. Oh. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> hey, uh, so, you know, the uh, niceness, niceties, da, 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 da. thanks again. I was serious about the stew recipe. Virtually all stews are boring. Comforting, comforting, but not... That's bull crap, by the way. Well, listen, he says, comforting, but not unique. The one you prepared from John's recipe was full of great flavors that all matched up. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Your fan mail, douche. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) I make Uh, stew about, uh, or, you know, every country has their own name for stew. Stew is the American name, or maybe British. But, you know, the French have, you know, uh, beef bourguignon, and the and the Belgians have the carbonade, and everyone has their own thing. But a goulash, you know, in Hungary, same. They're all stews. They just they get different angles to them. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you use all these different angles, like carbonade's made with beer, for example, instead of wine. Mm-hmm. Americans typically made with, uh, I use chicken broth. And you can do different things. And you can get you can get some pretty nice flavors out of those things. And the, and the if you cook them long enough and the meat falls apart the way it should. Yeah. Oh, and I had the perfect uh, uh, chuck. Yeah, how long did you cook it? Uh, it was it was pretty much there three and a half hours in. Yeah. It was, it yeah was, three it and a half nails it. It was good to go. But I but I got the chuck that had, you know, it had some of the sinewy kind of um, fat in there. Yeah. And, that, and that, then it really kind of falls apart just perfectly. Not too much, but it gets all stringy and it's really, it was good. It was this uh-huh. the best I've ever made it. I have to say. Oh, good. Well, yeah. you were under the under the gun. Yeah, oh, I was very into. And then, of course, to top it off, I uh, I served uh, Dame Elise Garling's limoncello. Claim- oh, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, this is from one of our listeners. What the kind of thing that we uh, are? Uh, oh, hold on, John. Did uh, is your uh, is your automatic gain set or something? You just went. You just went away. Popped out of the off the face of the earth. Yeah, kind of. You just double check that for me. Looking now. Oh, well. Uh-huh. 
Take some mouse coordination. <laughs> it's fun. Damn. Ah, yes, yeah, so it is. Yeah, it see, is. I knew it. Yeah, just, just little things you got to do. When you okay, start. well, readjust Whoa. me because... There you go. Yeah, talk a little bit. Hello. Let me read from my list of clips. <laughs> no, that's okay. You're good to go. Uh, so I got my machine back, my old uh, the Windows 7 white machine, the big one that was built for us by our knight. Oh, and this is the one that had the, the corrupt hard drive. That's what I thought. Oh. So I dig into it, and I have to realize, well, this guy made a great machine. I got a, you know, I lost track of him. I should have visited him or called him. So what it was, and I tear the machine open to see what's going on. The machine is beautiful inside. And it's running, and the, the boot disk is a 500-gigabyte SSD. Oh. Which I didn't realize. That should make it really fast. That's a makes it worth that. I mean, that, when he built this thing, the thing must have cost a grand. Hmm. So I'm, I decided I'm dicking around. I said, I got to get a I can't believe the SSD was blowed up. So I, <laughs> I hooked it to another machine, and it was uh, showed up fine. Everything looked <laughs> kosher. Yeah. So I started looking around, and I ended up uh, looking at the BIOS. And apparently what had happened, the only way I can figure this out, the SSD itself never showed up uh, uh, as a list of bootable drives. Okay, so there, there was a problem with the, with the you mean in the BIOS? The BIOS. Yeah. I, it must have been like a power surge. Something b- zapped the machine, mm-hmm. and it sh- screwed up the, the BIOS. Yeah, the BIOS. Yeah, the BIOS got mm-hmm. a hit on it. Right. So I put it back in there. It boots right fine. Everything's great. Yeah, would turn out not to be a big deal. I mean, just a matter of my. <laughs> you just given up too early. Like after what? Okay, here's a John's computer won't boot up. Piece of shit's about broken. <laughs> I need a new one. Well, me and everyone else. <laughs> not the kind of thing you normally expect to happen. Now, people uh, who are relatively new to the program, and I think that we're getting new people every single day. And it's very difficult often for them to just jump right in and, and understand how we work. But it is important to reiterate that John and I rarely, but pretty much never, communicate with each other outside of the show itself. Uh, so I have no idea what he's reading, what he's listening to, what he's watching. Uh, re- the reverse is the same. And on show days, we kind of show up, and I got my stuff that I'm thinking I want to talk about, and John has his stuff, and I really don't and we know. catch up. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 literally, we're catching up. Um, and I have no idea what he's going to uh, come up with clip-wise, but I do, and I, I don't listen to I have no idea what the, what they contain, but I can read some of the, uh, some of the titles, and then uh, I'm very happy to see that somehow after six years, we're now in our seventh year, I guess you kind of thought, eh, Ah, eh, Curry will do the Obama speech. I did. <laughs> I was I was correct in assuming that. <laughs> it's funny because we both assume that the other guy's going to do one of these, and we usually are right. I don't think it's ever been the case where we're both wrong and we never have the clips. No, that has never happened. We've we've both had issues and we've both had clips, but never. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, yeah sometimes yeah. then we have dueling clips. Yeah. yeah. My clip is better than your clip. So, of course, I was particularly interested in uh, in this. 45-minute uh, speech by the president because on the previous program on uh, Thursday, no, uh, no, a week ago, we discovered uh, the existence of Executive Order 12333. Although I believe we have discussed this in the past. It's possible, but I didn't remember it. Yeah, I, I recalled something about it. Well, it, it is an executive order uh, signed by Ronald Reagan, and um, there's been some interesting amendments to it. 
And we're getting all kinds of response uh, to this. Um, in fact, there was one that was was kind of kind of funny. Let me see if I can just uh, bring this up uh, real quick. Um, and this was one of these encrypted emails. And let me just invoke the PGP. Here we go. Uh, Adam kindly asked to remain anonymous. I, and the way it starts off is one of these typical... Usually I stop reading after this opening line. I was surprised to learn that you had never heard of Executive Order oh, 12333. Considering the in-depth and often frighteningly correct analysis given on the show. We uh, have discussed it before. What are you, are you eating something? Oh, I'm sorry. Is this? Can you hear this? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm opening up the new red book that is in a package. <laughs> oh, good. EO1333, however, is primarily for counterintelligence and not for general intelligence collection authority. This is new to me. It has been taken advantage of, for certain, but how, uh, never intended for exploitation of the American people. It has been taken uh, as, as a counterintelligence professional. It is often necessary to collect information of U.S. citizens that could potentially provide information to or be helpful uh, to the intelligence services. This is only to fully identify the person and to make a preliminary assessment that they are not a spy already. <laughs> this gets so. This is very. So wrap your mind around this. What this uh, person is saying is that in the counterintelligence business, it's necessary to spy on people, make sure they're up to no good, so you can blackmail them into becoming a spy, a counter-spy on our side, a double agent, basically. And that's why EO1233 is good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was my response, too. It's like, <laughs> really? And, and you think that just by encrypting your email, I'm going to fall for this? <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. That um, was funny. <laughs> Anyway, so so I'm very interested what the president has to say, and I and uh, just before his speech, I started receiving uh, the under embargo uh, PDFs of his uh, PPD, his presidential policy directive, and of course, along with that, uh, eventually came the fact sheet from the White House, and um, I will read uh, one the only and the only line that is important really from this uh, SIGINT PPD for Signals Intelligence, and it's a footnote on page 5. This You can you can now read this at whitehouse.gov. Of course, you can get it from the show notes, 584.noagendanotes.com. This directive is not intended to alter the rules applicable to U.S. persons in Executive Order 12333, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or other applicable law. In other words, everything I'm doing here does not apply to the real to the real business. Which, as we know from Executive Order 12333, is pretty much if the CIA says, yeah, it's okay, then and the Attorney General signs off, then it's good to go. And then subsequently we found uh, an amended amendment with an opinion that the uh, Attorney General is allowed under U.S. law to delegate this authority to a Deputy uh, Attorney General or anyone else who uh, has been sworn into office uh, or has gone through the Senate uh, approval process. So it's not just the Attorney General who, uh, who can uh, approve of spying on American citizens by the CIA or the FBI, but, any, but you know, any, anyone he says is, uh, can rubber stamp it. So pretty much everything the president said was meaningless. That's basically the whole point. It's meaningless from a legal standpoint 
And really, the section 215 is, is yes, metadata, very important, but it's kind of meaningless in the, in the broad scope of what's really going on. And uh, so I said, well, maybe there's something else going on in the speech. And, uh, and let, me, let me listen and see if I can find something. And I think I did. Uh, I, I, th- I think I stumbled upon something that is quite obvious. It's not, it's not like a huge shocker, but it's like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Uh, but first, just a few words from the president to remember that anything he says, there's always a reason for it. The, nothing is left up to chance. Uh, these things always come back around. And by the way, what's with the six flags on, this, on the podium? Have you seen this? If you look at the president, when they frame the yeah, shot. I know, they almost look like a photograph of a flag. But when, he, when you frame the shot, it's like he has angel wings made out of American flags. You should Google the picture of just Obama speech. Yeah, and you'll that's see, an interesting and, observation. And it, and this, but this is a recurring theme. So he has six flags. He's right in between. Uh, you know, so it's a subtle promotion for the amusement park. <laughs> yeah, which is not doing so well. <laughs> yes. Okay. Nice. But it was weird. You know, I was like, these things, I think they do matter. Well, yeah, no, it was Ray. I think it was Reagan that started really pushing the use of the, you know, surrounded by flags. Yeah. But, and then I think much later it became Bush who came up with the idea of putting people behind you, watching the back of your head. Right. I don't know. Anyway, but the, go but, on. But these six flags, it's, yeah, they should have more. They do 12 flags. Yeah, it, it could have been a thousand <laughs> flags. Ridiculous. And also, whenever someone uses the word moreover in a speech, Wow, that, that's that's not even good writing in general. It's more well, that's the that is I one of the uh, I can't remember what it's a correction for, but that's one of the auto corrections or or suggested corrections in Microsoft Word. Moreover, yeah, I think so. I think I've, I've seen it. I go, well, who would use this? <laughs> it's a correction for what word though? Oh, I can't remember. But I, I, <laughs> that's funny. I, that's funny. So the speechwriter's like, oh, and the, moreover, ah, oh, fuck it. Yes, put that in. All right, good. Yeah, oh. no, I'm, I'm convinced of it. <laughs> and it's and it ha- he said it maybe two or three times. Moreover, well, who uses that in regular speech? You and what don't. Is, it was just Microsoft Word. What does it even mean, moreover? What is it? It's, it's it's like so. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Substitute words so. So. Okay. Um, so. Um. Moreover. All right, so here's um, here's the president uh, with just some, some some interesting things I picked up along the way that I found to be interesting. The horror. Of- First of all, whenever someone says "horror" instead of "horror," <laughs> catches my. Horror? He says he, he he wants to say the horror, but he says the whore. The horror. <laughs> <laughs> you just really, use that. Okay? Make that an evergreen. We we'll just drop it in every so often. The horror. <laughs> I heard this. I was like, Nah, dude. And and when this before you before you go on, can I say something interesting? <laughs> Please, uh, it was about about time. Uh, <laughs> the, the beginning of the speech. This is the reason I didn't clip it because I, I was annoyed. The beginning of the of the speech where he talks about Paul Revere. And he talks about the, you know, yeah. the Civil War <laughs> yeah. and all this. We're patriots, and that's why we can spy on you. He is saying that he says it's a, it's a tra- what he's really saying to boil it down is there's a tradition of the Americans spying on their enemies. Yes, and then he then he says and that's why we're spying on the American public. Essentially, he's saying, and we've said this before, and I've written an article about it. He is saying, and we, we this is the a, kind of a, a theme under underlying the Snowden revelations. Yeah, 
they perceive, and, and Obama himself perceives the American public as the enemy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. exactly. And that's what he says when he says, oh, Paul Revere. Come yeah. on. Yeah. There was a, I have it in the show notes. Uh, let me see. It was, was this from, it was really, it was a weird, let me see who did this article. It might have been, yeah, Gigaom. Who wrote it at Gigaom? Which I found weird. David Meyer. He wrote a very funny piece. He, uh, uh, which he calls the uh, Obama reimagined, and basically the speech is: Paul Revere was a spy and a patriot. We used to spy from balloons. We spied a lot in World War II, which was good, and also in the Cold War. But not like the East Germans. We spied on our activists, which was bad. We won the Cold War. Then 9/11 happened, and we had to start spying on everyone. Our spies work hard and are good at networking. I was against warrantless wiretap when Bush was president. The worst excesses happened under Bush. We're really good at spying. Seriously, better than anyone else. And it goes on and on and on. It's a, it's a good piece. And that's exactly what he was saying, essentially. Yeah. Um, but there was some other little messaging in there that I think uh, I think I caught. So, again, let's get, let's get past the horror part. The horror of September 11th brought all these issues to the fore. To the fore? To the fore. <laughs> I just heard that for the first time. To the fore on the floor. What is he saying? It brought it all to the fore. Does he think that maybe he's, he really thinks he's Abraham Lincoln and he has to talk like it's, you know, 1790 or the something. Whore. The whore. The whore brought it. The whore so brought there was it to a the woman floor. involved. <laughs> no. And she brought it to, to the, the fore. Maybe it's, it's, uh, he's rapping and rhyming. The whore brought the it whore to the fore. Of September 11th brought all these issues to the fore. Right now, made a rhyme. Across the political spectrum, Americans recognized that we had to adapt to a world in which a bomb could be built in a basement. Now, how in the world do you get from September 11th to everyone being all in and understanding that a bomb can be built in a basement? It's completely unrelated. I think that what we learned, if, if you believe in September 11th as the commission reported it, that a moving uh, flying object can easily be turned into a bomb. That was what we learned. Not that yeah, a bomb can be built in a basement. Well, it gets better. And our electric grid could be shut down by operators an ocean away. But that, this has not happened. When did that happen? It's, it's never did happened. Did we miss something? Is it we're falling behind? <laughs> we, apparently, we missed some things that happened on September 11th. People were building bombs in basements, and they were shutting down grids from another country. This is the kind of propaganda that really worries me. This is not, this is, these are lies. But he's connecting it, but he's connecting it. You are now, your brain has connected building bombs in basements and cyber hackers from foreign lands. The three Bs. Yes, building bombs, it comes back in the show later, by the way, the three Bs. Building bombs in basements and bringing down the entire grid from, uh, from overseas. Let me just hear that again, because... This is this. I find this to be outrageous that anyone you misuses what happened on nine eleven to propagandize these untruths. That's what they were always uh, slamming Bush for doing. Thank you. That we had to adapt to a world in which a bomb could be built in a basement. And our elect. He should have said a bomb could be built in a basement in Boston. Now that would have been good. Because then it would have yeah, made sense. Yeah, actually, it, would have been, it had more alliteration. It would have been nice. <laughs> a bomb could be built in a basement in Boston. A bomb could be built in a basement. In Boston. In Boston. And our electric grid could be shut down by operators an ocean away. This, an ocean away. 
China. We were shaken by the signs we had missed leading up to the attacks. How the hijackers had made phone calls to known extremists and traveled to suspicious places. Suspicious places. San Diego. (laughs) So we demanded that our intelligence community improve its capabilities and that law enforcement change practices to focus more on preventing attacks before they happen than prosecuting terrorists after an attack. Okay, so let me understand what the president is saying. Apparently, before 9-11, our intelligence services, all they did was wait for something to happen and then figure it out later and prosecute them. They were not at all thinking about preventing attacks. Is that what the president just told me? The stupid Bush guys. I can't believe they were so dumb. To never have the foresight of the horror that could uh, occur to prevent something. Uh, That whole piece of speech, I'm sorry, shameful. Now, there was something that's... I got a tweet and someone alerted me to this, and and I'm asking... I don't think the chat room can help. I don't think you can help, John. Uh, But maybe people listening to the podcast uh, will be able to... Here, during most of his speech, there was classical music playing. Did you catch this? No, I did not. And and I know this piece. I know this classical piece. It's a violin concerto, but there's not enough of it because he he leaves these long pauses. That's when you hear the do do. I'll I'll try and I never I never noticed this. Yeah, if you turn it around, and so I've I've in, I've uh, zoomed in, enhanced, and rotated the sound, and chopped out the president's bit so you can hear the little pieces. And it's going to be horrible over Skype, so you may not be able to participate. But I know, and I tried to sound hound it. I tried Shazam, but it's just not enough, and not enough. And, and you know, there's too much. Um, the signal to noise is all off, so neither of those programs could figure it out. Then I tried whistling it into sound hound. I couldn't figure it out. I just want to know what it is, you know, because I find it very interesting that there's classical music in the background. Let's listen. I don't think you can hear this at all, can you? I can hear a little bit. It almost sounds like some enchanted evening. Ooh, some enchanted evening? Yeah. How does that go? Some enchanted evening, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. It's, it's a real classical piece. But may, maybe someone else can help us with well, that. Well, I think it was, I think some enchanted evening was based on some classical piece. I don't know. I, I never know. noticed that. I it just sounds like maybe there was a band playing outside. There was a party going on. Could have been. But but I but it was audible, and so I'm like, wow, you know. Anyway, maybe someone can help us with that. Okay, uh, now on to some phrases that are being brought into the lexicon that are meant to, I believe, just have your brain switch off and go, oh, okay, of course. Uh, these two words, one is supercomputer, because, you know, that is a technical term, as you know, John. When you've got a supercomputer, all bets are off. Yeah, well, I've got one. Yeah. Yeah, with a, with a 500 gigabyte SSD, SSHD, whatever. Uh, whatever and, you want to call it. And the other word is bulk. And what? Bulk. Bulk? Yeah, this is a new term, bulk. You mean like how uh, spinning bulks up your uh, thighs? Yeah, or uh, bulky items pick up on Thursday. You know, bulk, just bulk. bulk yeah. yeah. What what is What is the definition of bulk? Bulk. bulk. That's what the definition means, bulk, bigger. No, I don't think it. I think it means something else. It means else. bulk. Bulk. Big, big. Mass. Uh, uh, well, interesting. 
It can also mean great size or of great importance. Treat a product so that its quantity appears greater than it in fact is. Okay, so there's all kinds of ways to interpret the term bulk. All right. Uh, but, but in conjunction with supercomputer, I mean, obviously. The combination of increased digital information and powerful supercomputers. Woo! Powerful supercomputers. Offers intelligence agencies the possibility of sifting through massive amounts of bulk data <laughs> to identify patterns or pursue leads that may thwart impending threats. There you go. This is, so there it is in a nutshell. It's CSI. the way it says may. May. Oh, yeah. The possibility, the capability. The possibility. Yeah. So he actually has a huge performative here, uh, and that's kind of what you're talking about. Uh, and we are, we're always on the lookout for performatives or when the president will say something that really doesn't mean anything. And, wow, he really threw out a doozy in this one. To the contrary. Right there. To the contrary. Of what? In an extraordinarily difficult job. <laughs> <laughs> to the contrary. I'm just going to throw that in. Yeah, you just you can do it anytime you want. To the contrary, my friend. To the contrary. To the contrary. I feel the 49ers are a great team. One in which actions are second-guessed. Success is unreported. And failure can be catastrophic. That sounds like our podcast, actually, I think. Let me just <laughs> listen to that again. That sounds exactly like us. <laughs> to the contrary. Difficult job. This podcast. One in which actions are second-guessed. Yes, the podcast is second-guessed. This, by the way, is an interesting uh, meme he's bringing up because this is a meme that's been developed by television shows. Yes, because they're the unsung heroes of the world. They save the world without getting uh, any um, recognition, yeah, no it, medals, this has no been every t- from Every show from NCIS to the old show used to be called The Agency or something, and, then, and the new show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is very pro-government for some reason. Uh, which which is weird, mm. considering Josh Joss Whedon did it. Yeah. But anyway, there's this constant. You're doing it for the. You know, you're yeah, never yeah, going to yeah. get any credit. And there was the movie, the movie Ever. with Al Pacino. You're never going to get any credit for anything you do, and you're right. going to. It's a thankless job, and that's right. But if you fail, you'll you'll be you know get credit for that and, kind of thing. And I will say that coming from um, an environment of intelligence. In my family, there is a, some uh, there's some truth to that. Yeah, and uh, and so I'm not I'm just laughing at how he's saying it. Uh, but and and so yes, lots of people do a lot. Some people get shot up for dumb for dumb wars. You know, other people do other. Everyone everyone can be heroic in their own the way. The guys laying uh, a Ethernet cable around the uh, Iraq compound. Iraq comp- Compounds are not getting any credit. No. There's a lot of people that don't. There's people that work for a living. The bus driver that takes you down the street doesn't get a bunch of credit, but if he molests a passenger, he gets in trouble. And credit. This is bull crap. (laughs) This has got nothing to do with intelligence. This is the way it is everywhere. Yes, thank you. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Success is unreported, and failure can be catastrophic. The men and women of the intelligence community, including the NSA, consistently follow protocols designed to protect the privacy of ordinary people. Here it comes. They're not abusing authorities in order to listen to your private phone calls or read your emails. No. They're not. So let's listen to what the president said. They're not abusing it. They may be doing it. They're just not abusing it. 
And and that is a lie in itself. We've already known from earlier testimonies before Congress that at least two people were, were caught it. spying yeah. on their girlfriends. Yes, exactly. Which, by the way, has seemed to have been lost in the in the conversation. Yeah. Nobody yeah. even brings oh, it up who anymore. Cares. Uh, well, I'm, I think I'm going to prove today that uh, a lot of this was all set up and scripted. Whether the president was even in the know is secondary because we know he's not writing the speeches. Moreover, <laughs> to the four from the whore, so we know he's not writing it. But maybe someone this is this actually this speech and what we're going to get to in a minute for the first time. And I I rolled this theory out on Miss Mickey. She hit. She immediately grokked to it. She's like. And even what? I, she immediately she what? grokked. grokked she it. what? Did she okay? Does she does she need <laughs> hospitalization? <laughs> Funny enough, she might. Um, and this was one of the first times. What does that mean, by the way? Grok? Yeah. What word is that? You you've given him crap about using moreover, and you're using grok. Yeah. Okay. But, but it's, I I came up with it myself. It wasn't on my teleprompter. Okay, if you want to use that word, go ahead. Well, sure. Does it mean understand? Uh, well, this is a word coined by Robert A. Heinlein for his 1961 science fiction novel, Stranger in a Strange Land. Yeah. And the term means to understand. Why don't, isn't this more simple word that everyone knows the meaning of, understand, used in this context? Uh, I don't know, bingo. Why don't you tell me more? I'm just saying it's one of those words that comes out. People use it. I've always been befuddled by it. Abusing authorities in order to listen to your private phone calls or read your emails. So that's a just, that is such a telling statement. They're not abusing it. They're doing it. They're just not abusing it because it's completely legal. That's why it's no problem. When mistakes are made, which is inevitable in any large and complicated human enterprise, mm. they correct those mistakes. Okay. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't correct them. You can't correct the mistake of spying. You, 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 you correct the mistake. You can't. You can admit it. You just listen in on your girlfriend's conversation. Oh, you're going <laughs> to stop listening? Yeah, that's you stopped listening, but you didn't correct anything. You still had listened. You can't undo it. Laboring in obscurity, often unable to discuss their work even with family and friends. Ooh. Yeah, well, we know this. So what? Yeah. Now, I've told you when the 16-year-old niece of mine says, I can't tell you what we're doing in Japan. You don't have clearance. <laughs> yeah, she's just a... I don't even want to use the word, but I was going to no, say it. No, you don't say it. The men and women at the NSA know that if another 9-11 or massive cyber attack occurs... Now, hold on a second. When, when, when was the massive cyber attack? Did he say another? Well, he... So, again, very tricky... Whenever another 9-11 or massive cyber attack happens. The men and women at the NSA know that if another 9-11 or massive cyber attack occurs. That's, what? That's, that's a good one. I think that's a 10-pointer. Now Makes it sound as though it, it's happened. Well, and, and I immediately am thinking, why are we not standing up and saying, hey, it looks like we were attacked by, oh, I'm sorry, the messaging now is the Russians, because it was Russian, the code was commented in Russian, that attacked Target and Neiman Marcus and countless others we are yet to understand about. Is that not exactly what they're supposed to be stopping? Is that not a massive cyber attack? That's a massive cyber attack. I think it's massive. They, they stole money, which, by the way, I don't think, you know... 
Here's here's uh, oh, no, we'll, we'll get to the target thing in a minute. I, I had a, a mind fart about that. All right, all right. Let's continue, Obama. They Hold will on. be asked by Congress and the media why they failed to connect the dots. What sustains those who work at NSA and our other intelligence agencies through all these pressures is the knowledge that their professionalism and dedication play a central role in the defense of our nation. Okay. Now, this is where uh, all of a sudden I went, hold on a minute. Something fishy going on here. And I did some uh, investigative journalism for you. Moreover. Oh, there he is, moreover. Once. What, you read, you read a document? <laughs> this is investigative journalism. I did more than that, John. But first, let's, moreover, let's listen to Red Rover, Red Rover. Moreover, after an extended review of our use of drones in the fight against terrorist networks, I believed a fresh examination of our surveillance programs was a necessary next step in our effort to get off the open-ended war footing that we've maintained since 9-11. And for these reasons, I indicated in a speech at the National Defense University last May that we needed a more robust public discussion about the balance between security and liberty. Now, I heard something new here. Did you hear that what was new? We need a more balanced discussion of of the security versus liberty debate? Well, I have never heard... The president say security versus liberty. I have heard him say security or privacy versus freedoms and uh, liberties that we hold, but not liberty. And there's, a, I think there's a big distinction mm. between okay. liberty. I'm, I'm all ears. Go on. Okay, so if you're not, if 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 you have no liberty, you're in jail, or you're or whatever. It could be a physical jail, or I've never heard him say. Liberty. So when he claimed, and this is the speech, the one he's referring to in May, is the speech where the Code Pink lady interrupted. It would be normally security versus privacy. And let's just listen again what he's saying. He's saying something different here. And liberty. Ah, sorry, uh, back it up just another. So they're not even don't these well, guys on. don't just want to take our or eliminate privacy. They want to take our liberty. Well, that's what, well, this is why I caught this. Now, listen again. About the balance between security and liberty. Security and liberty. So not security and privacy, not privacy and freedoms, security and liberty. And these two things are the same, you know, different sides of the same coin. You know, you can be kept secure in house arrest. I mean, it's all, anyway, and I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. I'm going to go back and listen to that speech. But let's listen to the next line he says. So he's saying... The speech I did, the one uh, where the code pink lady interrupted, and it was about the the drone usage, and he says that's when I when when I started this all. I I Barack Hussein Obama, I said we got to have a conversation about security and liberty. Of course, what I did not know at the time is that within weeks of my speech. An avalanche of unauthorized disclosures would spark controversies at home and abroad that have continued to this day. Because indeed, not more than four or five weeks after this speech, where the president said apparently something about a balance between security and liberty, Edward Snowden released his documents. Coincidence? Let's go back to May 23rd. 
and listen to what the president actually said. Now, thwarting homegrown plots presents particular challenges in part because of our proud commitment to civil liberties for all who call America home. That's why in the years to come, we will have to keep working hard to strike the appropriate balance between our need for security and preserving those freedoms that make us who we are. Very different from pri- from uh, liberty. Liberty, yeah. Very, very preserving different. Preserving our freedoms. So I, when I heard but that... He, he's, again, lying to the public uh, just outrageously. But wait. Uh, there's more. I So I was recording this, and remember now, he Snowden has not happened at this point in the speech. There has been no huge whistleblower controversy, no Grand Greenwald, nothing of the sort, nothing. This is the original speech. This is the original speech where he did not say uh, liberty. He said the freedoms that we all think are so important. It's completely different from liberty. And I can't, and I just let it play. That means reviewing the authorities of law enforcement so we can intercept new types of communication but also build in privacy protections to prevent abuse. That means that even after Boston, we do not de- deport someone or throw somebody in prison in the absence of evidence. That means putting careful constraints on the tools the government uses to protect sensitive information, such as the state secrets doctrine. And that means finally having a strong privacy and Civil Liberties Board to review those issues where our counterterrorism efforts and our values may come into tension. You know, the Justice Department's investigation of national security leaks offers a recent example of the challenges involved in striking the right balance between our security and our open society. As Commander-in-Chief, I believe we must keep information secret that protects our operations and our people in the field. To do so, we must enforce consequences for those who break the law. Consequences for those who break the law. Remember, Snowden has not happened yet at this point, at least not in the public eye. And breached their commitment to protect classified information. But a free press is also essential for our democracy. That's who we are. And I'm troubled by the possibility that leak investigations may chill the investigative journalism that holds government accountable. Very interesting. This somehow is exactly the debate that is taking place. And because... Well, that's... Wait, 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 wait. Listen, listen, I'm setting you up. Journalists should not be at legal risk for doing their jobs. Our focus must be on those who break the law. And that's why I've called on Congress to pass a media shield law to guard against government overreach. And I've raised these issues with the Attorney General, who shares my concerns. So he's agreed to review existing Department of Justice guidelines governing investigations that involve reporters. Okay. Now, (laughs) two things happened in the past week that I believe um, solidify a theory that I'm kind of feeling here that a a lot of things, at least the timing of things have been set up. They may have known about this. But we know for sure we, the president hates the Internet press, uh, hates anything alternative, wants complete control of the mainstream. Hello, Rachel Maddow, I'm looking at you. All of this stuff is, is well known. 
So the final thing that we need is our media shield law, which we discussed at this time. And, of course, I put the the links in the show notes once again, where uh, we had the amendment to the media shield law, uh, which is uh, appropriately titled uh, something like the Free Flow of Information Act from Senator Dianne Feinstein, who says, oh, you have to have at least worked for an official... a news gathering organization for five years, you know, all these bull crap. Yeah, it's licensing. And other, yes, licensing, exactly. Now, listen what happened just in the past week. In other world news, Edward Snowden, the NSA contractor who took a treasure trove of the agency's secrets and leaked them to the world, he isn't a journalist. Oh. He is a journalist's dream source, which oh. is why today in news... We're breaking right now on the lead. The Freedom of the Press Foundation is announcing that Snowden is joining its board of directors. Daniel Ellsberg is a co-founder of the Freedom of the Press Foundation. You'll, of course, remember him as the former U.S. military analyst who gave the infamous Pentagon paper. Now, listen very closely, closely with, with Jake Tapper. Of course, you know, he's, he's part of the establishment. He is now defining the line that the president laid out very carefully in May between people who break the law and leak sensitive classified information violating the State Secrets Act, and good journalists, the approved journalists, journalists who are actually journalists, not just someone who's not a journalist. To the New York Times back in 1971. Uh, Mr. Ellsberg, thanks so much for being here. Why has the organization decided to add Snowden to the board of directors, even though he's not actually a journalist? Now, and of course, Ellsberg goes in, and I believe what's, that uh, Ellsberg is probably non-complicit in this. He really is like, hey, I'm not a journalist either, uh, but you know the whole uh, concept of having journalists and leakers go hand in hand, you need both of these things in order for it to happen. But the mainstream is making this very, very clear distinction, best portrayed by, I guess it was Friday night's interview of Grand Greenwald uh, on the, the Bill Maher show. Bill Maher, who is a known operative of the Democratic Party, uh, gave a, th- a million dollars to President Obama's reelection campaign. A million dollars. I think yeah, that that think makes, about that for a minute. I think that makes him a compromised asset. So when you give a million dollars, you can get uh, you can certainly get an ambassadorship. There's a lot of things you can get. He gave it to a super PAC, but it's irrelevant. It was, he made it very clear this is to help get President Obama reelected, and he wasn't keeping it quiet. No. Um, so you could think that maybe someone would put a call out and said, here's what we're going to do. You get this Greenwald on, and you're going to make your jokes. But the point is, we want to discredit anybody else, certainly anyone on the Internet, as not a journalist. I, I understand that. I, I just think there is something to be said for, well, if it's all open, why don't we get to choose who decides? Now, I think... Now, so here is... Uh, what uh, what Bill Maher is bringing up, he's saying, who decides what is to be published from this from these documents illegally given to you by the crazy kook Edward Snowden? Uh, and you'll hear exactly what Bill Maher is doing. If we were going to decide, you actually would be a pretty good guy to decide because I respect you and I Thank like you. And I think you're very smart. So apparently, Bill Maher can decide who can be a reporter. But what if it was Perez Hilton? Oh, you know, I, oh, I mean, very funny. But the point is crazy guy on the internet with a big audience not a valid journalist who says Perez Hilton is not a journalist just because I would I would testify in court that he is of course he is and he's it, it's not my my in, not a topic of interest to me 
but he's most definitely a journalist. But here you see he's ridiculed, and the audience is... Ah, oh, yeah. the audience on that's hit that cr- show. That's we don't know how much that's cranked right. up either, but go on. And Bill Maher's going to take it even a little bit further, because, of course, you have to make everyone on the Internet sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist. Crazy. Okay. Let, 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 <laughs> let me let me let me just ask you this. I, I mean, I also respect Edward Snowden. Obviously, this debate wouldn't be happening without Edward Snowden. But I was wondering if you would agree with me that every time he opens his mouth, he also says something completely nuts. He reminds me a lot of Ron Paul. Uh, I agree with what he says. I nod along, and then he says something totally batshit. Now, this is essentially saying anyone who believes uh, or, or the message of Ron Paul or the uh, his so-called message of liberty, and you're on the internet, you're batshit crazy, which is a favorite of progressive... Batshit Demo- is the word this he likes to use. And let shit. me mention something else in this little thing he's doing. He does the thing, which I brought up before, I dislike it when I hear it, because I know it's a salesman's technique. Adam, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, exactly. W- Adam, would you agree would you- that he used, would you agree? Would you agree these shoes look great on her? Would you agree? <laughs> yeah. No, it's because he is on board with the program. And I think that this this speech, what is happening right now, we may, um, the way people look at Section 215, like, oh, this huge, oh, this metadata, it's bull crap, whatever. The real meat and potatoes is has been going on since way before 9-11, uh, Executive Order 12333, and that, and all information, including content, is uh, is uh, is being collected and stored and parsed through, and it's all completely legal within the system that is not being discussed. So here's this little play that is being rolled out. And President Obama, what he says, these people who write this for him are smart. Okay, they're smart. And now we see that he's he has a callback to a speech where he the 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 visionary brought up this balance between real journalists and those who leak secrets and we need to have real journalists as you say uh, uh, correctly John licensed and this and this is probably what's bothering me about Glenn Greenwald he's got, he's got to be on board with some team some program somehow otherwise none of this would happen he's being set as the shining example and not only is he being protected he's being financed by um uh, Pierre, a uh, mini, mini Comey car. And uh, let me just uh, just listen to the rest of this Bill Maher thing, because it re- it's it's so obvious now to me. I mean, Edward, let me give well, you some quotes about... from Edward. Go ahead. All right, go ahead. Uh, here go ahead. I said, Edward, no, you go ahead. What? Yeah, you, you go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go, go ahead. ahead. Please, after you. Go ahead. No, 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 you no. go ahead. Go ahead, please. All right, go ahead. He said, these programs were never about terrorism. They're about social control and diplomatic manipulation. Well, that's crazy. They were about stopping terrorism. They may crazy. have gone too far. But every- crazy. everybody in the government isn't out to get you. Oh, boy. Everybody in the government isn't out to get you. Uh, in other words, if you have any other thought than that this is about terrorism, you're a conspiracy theorist. Obviously. A nut job on the Internet. Who loves Ron Paul? Who's batshit crazy? Uh, He said, they can use this system to go back in time and scrutinize every decision you've ever made, every friend you've ever discussed something with. This is nuts, right? So, and I'm pretty sure that Glenn Greenwald 
is um, he's he's so narcissistic. He's just being played. I don't think he, he actually knows. I what agree is with going you hundred percent on, on yeah. what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's being uh, played. Right, played, played. Yeah, he's on the TV. Yeah. No, Bill, what's nuts is the fact that you think that's nuts. And let me just explain why. A lot of the stories that we've reported have nothing to do with terrorism. They're spying on economic summits in Latin America, oil companies in Brazil, democratically elected leaders of our closest allies who have nothing to do with terrorism. His point is that, of course, some of this is directed at terrorism, but this massive system that has been built, a huge bulk of it, has nothing to do with national security. It has to do with the reason that people in political power always want to surveil their populations is because it does give greater power. And as far as slowing down the internet, that comes right from documents that we publish where the NSA collects everything and then stores it for a long enough time to, in their words, slow down the internet so that they can go back at any time and see your entire history, where you've browsed, what kind of search terms you've entered, with whom you've been speaking. I mean, look, he's a 29-year-old who's not a trained politician. He doesn't have aides whispering in his ear what he should say. He's not adept at that. That's what makes him so impressive. He's not a journalist. Clearly, he hasn't. Greenwald is falling right into the trap here. Of course, he's a 29 year old schmuck. He doesn't know anything. He's got no one whispering in his ear. He doesn't have anything. He's not a politician. He's not a journalist. That's for, I'm the journal. I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist. How much? I'm going to be licensed. I'm going to be licensed and paid for. It was an act of conscience that he just stepped forward as an yeah. ordinary person and I'm, I'm not, and, and did this. So no one, no one is, uh, no one is arguing with that, Glenn. What I said is, is and listen to Bill uh, talk over the applause to to shut it down. Every time he opens his mouth, he always says something fucking nuts. And when he says. <laughs> Fucking nuts. There you go, Bill. That's right, because that's what we are on the Internet. We're all just fucking nuts, Ron Paul, crazy, batshit, crazy, kooky, government's out to get me people. Every friend, they know By the every... Way, yeah. That is a great catch of him stepping on the audience. Because yeah. he was. they were yeah. going to give uh, Greenwald a round of applause. Nope, nope. Every friend you've ever discussed something with... We'll just have to agree to disagree on what's fucking nuts. Okay. Yeah, no, we'll agree, Bill, when the legislation and licensing is in place. That's when we'll agree what's fucking nuts or what's journalism. Ask you one final question. Uh, what would happen if you came home now? Well, this, of course, is a great question. It's a good question. Um, it's one that we've been trying to find out the answer to, and, and the government doesn't seem to want to share with us their thoughts on that question. There's obviously been a lot of leading media and political figures who have advocated that what I've done is criminal, what other journalists have done is criminal. He's so making the point for everybody. Glenn Greenwald, don't you see? You are now actually setting it up. You're going to get an approved stamp as a journalist to travel freely. Everyone else will be shut down. You, my friend, are single-handedly ruining open journalism. You are anti-constitutional. The British government, the servant of the United States government, is claiming that what we've done is terrorism. There's criminal investigations pending. So I'm not going to go ahead and roll the dice. We're trying to find out as much as we can. And at the moment, yeah, but wait, but wait, wait for Bill's final word. The moment the U.S. government is not too talkative on, on those questions. All right. Well, you can stay in my guest house if you need oh, to come Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's right. Because there's going to be a lot of people in your guest house. All right, so that is what I think, and and of course I looked it up. It appears that uh, the Free Flow of Information Act is number 203 on the congressional calendar. It was put there end of November. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is going to come up for a vote with the amendments by Dianne Feinstein uh, to determine who is a journalist and therefore who can legally 
uh, look at things. I mean, just think about Grand Rainwall for a second. Um, with all the technologies we know that are available, I mean, I'd like to know, does he receive encrypted messages uh, from Snowden, then put them on some kind of secure USB device, then take them to uh, a non-networked computer to decrypt them uh, that is in a Faraday cage, you know, so that no one can see whatever he's doing. Are you telling me our our, our great massive intelligence uh, has no idea what documents are there because they can't, there's no way they can get into Glenn Greenwald's systems? Seriously? You can't, people, you can't believe on one hand that they can turn on your iPhone remotely and and get your screen captures through uh, magical radio waves, which I'm all in on believing, and then think that they don't know what Glenn Greenwald has, okay? So, in, in because he's in Brazil, that's like some magical barrier that we don't, we can't send agents to Brazil. <laughs> Brazil? Oh, Whoa, no. Not Brazil. Uh, to fu- to, no assets in Brazil? No. To, uh, now, to kind of hop on the heels of what... Um, what uh, was discussed here? So what was the? So this was the, the. So this all led this crazy speech of Obama's, which was a useless piece of crap, mm-hmm. from what I can tell. Yeah, is leading to led this. you to the our old thought that they're going to license journalists. Is that the you made that? That's, you drove that car through that road. That's my conclusion. Yes. Huh. And that's what Mickey, uh, quote unquote, grokked immediately. Well, we talked about it before. It's not that it's new. No, but but they're the ones that made the call back to the speech and and the speech that's before Snowden, before Snowden was known to the okay, public. Okay, I just thought it, you. I think you leaped here and there somewhere. I don't know how, but no, you did. it no, was no, very no. convincing. Okay, though. good. A uh, couple amendments to Executive Order one two three 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 that are of interest. Uh, August twenty seventh, two thousand four. Executive Order 13355. I love all the magic numbers in these executive orders. I think we do have to point that out just for a second. That's a magic number. There's just a lot of that going on here. It's It could all be complete, complete coincidence, but... Uh, Getting to be more maddening. Yeah. Um, so this one is uh, to strengthen the, ator- the authority of the Director of Central Intelligence... Uh, and for the Director of National Intelligence to act as the principal advisor to the President for intelligence matters related to national security, uh, to ensure that the National Foreign Intelligence Program, which we have not heard about, the NFIP, have you heard of this anywhere in the in recent days? Actually, I have. I would think we even mentioned it once and never Good. did much with okay. our information. Uh, so that the NFIP is structured adequately to achieve these requirements... And to ensure that the United States intelligence collection activities are integrated into collecting against enduring and emerging national security intelligence issues. So really integrating uh, the the full-blown, full-content, not just metadata, collection of your communications. And uh, subsection 1.6a, uh, the heads of all departments and agencies shall... Uh, unless the director provides otherwise, give the director access to all foreign intelligence, counterintelligence, and national intelligence as defined in the act. So there's your complete um, uh, aggregation of all of this information. Then we there's have, too many layers. This is hurting the country. Oh, then on uh, we have Executive Order 13470, July 30th, 2008... Uh, and this, uh, the United States intelligence effort shall provide the president, the National Security Council, and the Homeland Security Council with the necessary information uh, to uh, which the base decisions concerning development, conduct of foreign defense, economic policies, 
So it says right here, in order to help the president shape economic policies, you need to give the spying information to the president for economic policies. Okay, economic, not terrorism. Uh, here's a list, the top three things. Intelligence collection under this order, and again, this is back to one, two, triple, three, should be guided by the need for information to respond to intelligence priorities set by the president. So there's three priorities. Number three, that's the bottom priority, threats to the United States and its interest from the development, possession, proliferation, or use of weapons of mass destruction. Number two, so not the top, but number two, threats to the United States and its interest from terrorism. And number one, espionage. So don't lie to me. This is about espionage, spying on other countries for political and economic policies. That's your number one priority according to the executive order that the president signs on to. And he hasn't changed it. So let's not pussyfoot around and let's just be honest. And I'm okay with that because we're America. And we spy on people and we kick their ass and we own you, bitch. And that's okay, but just say it. Don't give me this this terrorism. And let's not get any smart people in here who can figure it out. We need to... This show is doomed. We're doomed. (laughs) Fucking doomed, John. We're doomed. No, I can get a license. How about me? I can't get a license. It's okay. I'll just be... You'll be be my sidekick. (laughs) I'll just be pushing... I can do color. I can do color Color commentary. (laughs) I'll just go like, here, uh, do some analysis, John, and I'll, and I'll, I'll play my part. Well, the way I see it, the president's got... <laughs> You're so funny. The president's got it backwards. You are the best, John C. Dvorak. <laughs> I could live with that. Yeah, I bet you could. <laughs> All right, let me wrap this up with two clips. Uh, uh, Feinstein and Rogers oh, were on... This, no. is, no, this is fantastic. This, uh, I'm, In fact, I'm going to line this up just in case. I think, I, think, I think I might get a clip of the day. Uh, Feinstein and Rogers were both on. Wait, are you pre-selling it as a clip of the day? You know, every, you know, every time I try that on you, you reject. You go out of your way to reject it. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I'm dumping the clip. It's, it's not going to happen. It will not be clip of the day. Uh, so, so Senator Dianne Feinstein and uh, Mike Rogers, who's not a senator, is he? He's a congressman. I keep forgetting. Well, they're both uh, no, on no, the... No, she's the head of the Senate. He's the head of the Congressional, the congressional Intelligence right. Group Operation. Right. So, they, so these are the two people who represent the people of... The citizens of the United States of Gitmo Nation uh, represent us in oversight of... Oh, crap, John. Hold right, on to second. keep these agencies from running wild. Yeah, exactly. Hold on, Mike. But they've done none of the, they've done none of the above. They're actually encouraging it. Yes, and then these two people really should be rebuked. I think when you hear what they're about to say, rebuked is uh, is very moderate, very mild. Here is Feinstein. Remember, this is the person who knows everything, knows all about everything that's going on, and oversees all of these programs for you if you're an American citizen. And uh, you know, I think a lot of the privacy people. Hold on a second. The privacy people. Oh, John. Who are the privacy people? You know what the privacy people are? Complain- the batshit crazy. Yes, batshit crazy, complaining, whining, internet, Ron Paul loving, nut job, fucking crazy people. The privacy people. 
Diane Feinstein, I wish you, I wish you very bad things. And uh, you know, I think a lot of the privacy people perhaps don't understand that we still occupy the role of the great Satan. Okay, let me just get this straight: that we are the great Satan in the world. Then all other religious groups think that we are Lucifer, and we are the great Satan, and that's what the privacy people, okay, because that's how she thinks about us. You fucking privacy people, you peon privacy people. What do you think you are? Uh, new bombs are being devised. New bombs. New, new bombs are being devised. New bombs are devised. being devised in basements in Boston. What's wrong uh, with the other de- bombs? They worked okay. <laughs> new bombs. New bombs sound scarier because, you know, new bombs have new ways of exploding. New. It's new from Nabisco. Uh, new bombs. Be quiet now. I'm trying to get Feinstein's crazy shit out. More. Satan. Uh, new bombs are being devised. Uh, new new terrorists are emerging. New terrorists are emerging. There's a new terrorist born every day. A new kind of terrorist. New, John. New. New from Mattel. New terrorist. New. Fresh. Good looking. Well, you're the one now interrupting her. I have to because this is how people, this is how you sell something to the American public. You take the same crap, put it in a box with a shiny label and sit, put new on it and people buy it. It'd be new and improved. That would be better. New groups. Uh, <laughs> new groups. They're bringing ABBA back. Did you hear about it? Actually, uh-huh. a new level ABBA's coming of back. <laughs> ABBA's coming back. New and improved with bombs and groups and terrorists. New groups. New groups. Uh, actually, a new level of viciousness. A new level Woo! of viciousness. There's viciousness. Then there's this whole new level of viciousness that you have not seen. <laughs> And I think we need to be prepared. I think we need to do it in a way that respects people's privacy rights. Well, and, well, well let me make... Notice she says respects people's privacy rights, but not actually respects their privacy. One yeah. other point. When you look at what companies collect, yeah. um, the government does not seem to be a major offender at all. But, but oh! Thanks for bringing that meme back in. You, hey... You let Google and Yahoo and Facebook and Twitter take all your information. Well, that's you have no problem with that. Then certainly you can let the same kind of information go into the government because we're going to protect you from new bombs, new terrorists, new groups, and a new level of viciousness. Seriously, think about that. And the difference, of course, Chairman, that it's only the government that can deprive you of your liberty. You know, Google or Amazon, that's still, you still have to click to acquiesce in that, even though they have a lot of that personal information. And I always love how it's always Google or Amazon. It's never the real guy. It's never Facebook. Never talk. Never is it Facebook. Never. Facebook should be number one on the list. Yes, we know that the FBI, the director of the FBI, you you love to harp on this. Yes, it went out. They're hanging out there. They probably have, you know, if you go to Boeing and you go visit the corporate offices, you'll find an office in the Boeing facility for United Airlines. They have an office in the the building. So do the other airlines. And I just. There is probably an office. I don't know this for a fact, but it would make sense that says FBI and you go and the guys can go in there and they can make some calls and (laughs) bring up a command line, do what they want. Yeah. So I want to remind everyone, go back to the Time magazine interview, person of the year, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, in the article itself, Robert Mueller, then director of the FBI, who was uh, instated. Uh, just two months before 9-11, just a coincidence, and whose uh, uh, statutory 10-year term was extended 
because he's so great, pokes his head, head into the conference room door while Zuckerberg is being interviewed and says, oh, hey, yeah, I, was, I just wanted to say hi. I've been, been in the building for a couple hours. Yeah, in his office. <laughs> I've been I've been cleaning what up. What else would he be? He can't be just roaming around aimlessly with a cup of coffee. He has an <laughs> office there. <laughs> right? I guess. We should we should get the uh let me see, uh FBI, Facebook, Mueller. I'm just trying to think if what was that actual quote? It was really funny. It was so offhanded. And it was in Time magazine. He was, right, and, and Zuckerberg and nobody took it. They didn't blink an eye. Well, no one who read the article blinked an eye. Oh, I'm sorry. Your technology press failed you. Gee, surprise. Okay, uh, here's Mike Rogers. Now, Mike Rogers, uh, he's either on the take currently or he can't wait to get out and be just so rich. Anyway, so he's going to be leave his wife rich, this guy. For, for Russian bimbos. This guy, is he's setting himself up so big time. This was a thief who we believe had some help. Okay, hold on a oh, second. Oh, woo! New information. That's new information. It's new information, new and improved. And, and who's we? Uh, you got me on that one. All right, onward. Okay, this is new information. This was a thief who we believe had some help, who stole information the vast majority had nothing to do with privacy. Our Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines have been incredibly harmed by the data that he has taken with him and we believe now is in the hands of nation states. What help who did he have? Who, who helped him, do you well, think? Good question, Chip Gregory. You're on script. Who helped him? There were certain questions that we have to get answered where some of the, A, first of all, if it was a privacy concern he had, he didn't look for information on the privacy side for Americans. He was stealing information that had to do with how we operate overseas to collect information to keep Americans safe. Uh, that that that's begs a question. And some of the things that he did were beyond his technical capabilities. Oh, oh yes. Hold on. Hold on. New information. New information, people. I got new information. Questions. Uh, how he arranged travel before he left. Uh, how he had he was ready to go. He had a go bag, if you will. Whoa, he had a go bag. I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. And how he but how, accessed... how high level do you think? Who who it was? Well, level I will let me just it. say this. I, I believe there's a reason he ended up in the hands, uh, the loving arms of an FSB agent. Oh, could that be Sarah Harrison? <laughs> the former girlfriend of Julian Assange. The loving, he said, he's, he goes out of his way to say the loving arms. You mean the bare arms because she's wearing that nice little strapless black FME dress in Moscow and now has disappeared herself to Berlin? Ah, oh, this is getting very juicy. In Moscow. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. No. Not a coincidence. No. Yeah. Number two, yeah. let me just talk about this. Do you think the Russians important. helped, Ed Snowden? Uh, I, I believe there's questions to be answered there. I well, you know, the Russians... I'm sorry, the Russians who hate gays, the gay-hating, gay-beating, target-code-breaking 
evil Russians. Don't think it's uh, it was a gee whiz luck event that he ended up in Moscow uh, under the handling of the FSB. That's a significant <laughs> development, if true. Uh, yes, Chuck. Uh, that's a significant chip. What is your name? Well, I said we have we have questions we have to answer, but as somebody who used to do investigations, uh, some of the things we're finding we would call clues. Clues. That certainly would clues. indicate to me that he had some help. What did he used to do when it comes to investigations? This uh, this Mike Rogers. Let me Let's just check the book of knowledge. <laughs> We definitely need to look at this jabroni. <laughs> what the hell did Mike Rogers do that he was involved in investigations? Was he? Was he? A, yeah, he's a DA or something. He, I'm sure. Uh, was he an, a, a, a Oops, police I got officer? I the wrong Mike Rogers. Too many of these guys. There he is. Uh, was he a police officer? No, I think he was like a district attorney. He's a lawyer. I'm sure of it. Let me see. I'm. I'm looking. I don't. He has a, a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Okay, he went to college. Served the United States Army, worked as a special agent. Oh, okay. A special agent with the FBI at the Chicago office. I didn't oh. realize he was in the Coincidence? Sh- <laughs> I didn't realize he was in the Coincidence? Sh- I think not. In the Chicago cabal. I didn't realize that. That makes sense. Of course. Oh, well, there you go. Ah, he's with the FBI. He's a, he's a Fed. Makes so much sense. Well, maybe if this, if this is all true based on our basic thesis, which comes and goes in, in different forms of strength, mm-hmm. uh, the people who helped him were the CIA. And now they're going after the, the what part of the agency has turned on the uh, NSA, and they're going to, they're going to, this is a threat. This, this little thing he just did right yes, here. a threat. I totally agree. Was a threat. I agree. Leveled at the CIA for screwing with the NSA and all the rest of it. Wow, it's a, it was a, it was a veiled yeah. threat. Yeah, very well done. Yeah, and almost clip of the day. <laughs> Had I not set it up, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was almost. It was. It still wouldn't have got it. It was almost clip of the day. That's all right. I still want to thank you for your clip, courage. By the way, I'm going to tell you how you you get win clip of the day. My when you when you play with something and my eyebrows go up. <laughs> well, let me turn on the camera to make sure I catch that. <laughs> Hold on Woo! one second. I got a. There they go. I got an unfortunate uh, warning here that uh, my track. Warning. Yeah, my track. Warning, Will Rogers. My my trackpad battery is extremely low. So let me just uh, replace replace that. That's. uh, These are not easy things to do because it's spring loaded, that little. Is it a little expensive battery? What kind of battery is in a trackpad? Two double A's. Oh, that's no big deal. Double A's, big giant double A's. No, double no. Double A's are pen lights. Yeah, the big giant. No, uh, no compared to triple A's, they're big. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, the other day, just before we move on, uh, Miss Mickey was in her studio, and she um, she has one of these kind of boom boxes that you stick from the old old iPod days. So the new iPods don't even the new iPhones won't even work on it. it has the old connector. But it has the old giant yeah. connector. And. Uh, and it's from Europe, and for some reason it only has 220, so she can't plug it into the main, so she likes the box. She said, could you please replace the batteries? And there's six D-sized batteries in there. I mean, what... Why don't you what? just get a little transformer that, would, that lets you run 220? Oh, I, that's not the point. Have you okay. ever held six 
I mean, you look at six D-sized batteries, you're thinking a car should be able to drive on these things. <laughs> I think you can suck enough energy out of those in one shot. You, you drain them immediately. You, you but, should be able yeah. to, to, to recharge a Tesla S with those things. What technology was that that we thought these D-sized batteries were good? Well, you haven't seen that compared to a lantern battery. <laughs> or I remember dry cells. I, dry cells. We do experiments with a dry cell. We can make mag. We can make. Uh, well, those are all dry cells, but the lantern batteries that big giant square thing with the two springs <laughs> yeah, at the yeah, top. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yellow, usually yellow with uh, with red top. The lantern. Anyway, that, yes. Nothing. I was just gonna. I was just reminiscing. I was just. Gonna You'd say. use those lantern batteries to start uh, airplane engines for model airplanes. Oh yeah. I just got a, a new battery for the truck yesterday. Um. Did you buy an uh, interstate battery? Those are the yes. best, you know. Yes, it is an interstate. It's funny because I went to this this place right around the corner. Is I think it's a Goodyear affiliate or something. So they they sell tires, and but you can basically roll in with an American made car and say you know put something on it, make it work. Um, and I didn't have because the truck the battery is so dead, and you know so I just pick one up, I put it in myself. So I I get the uh, I, I get the battery from the guy. And he's in there, Brad. He's a nice guy, you know, older guy. He's uh, probably uh, near sixty. And um, and they say, and I say, do you do um, the emissions test as well? Because I need to do that. He says, yeah, but you got to when you put the battery in the truck, you got to drive it for a day or two because the computer needs to you know start restoring information because it's all been flushed out, and otherwise we can't get the the right reading for the test. <sighs> wait, wait, wait. But then I say, yeah, well, you know, computers, bullcrap. And he says, yeah. He says sometimes I think the Unabomber was right. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, Ted Kaczynski, he says, oh, man, I love that guy. He said, did you know about him teaching at Harvard? I'm like, yeah. Said, oh, you got to read Player Piano with Ted Kaczynski. I'm like, I, oh, my God, I got a friend for life. Well, I have a piece of advice. <laughs> okay. Uh, keep your uh, interstate battery uh, warranty. Keep the keep the paperwork on it, or at least go back to the original guys because the interstate batteries, as good as they are, when they crap out, they always crap out a little bit before they're supposed to, like uh-huh. six months, well, uh-huh. and they will give you the prorated price on the next battery. Six year warranty on this battery. Six yeah, it'll years. die in five years. <laughs> okay, you'll get you'll get one sixth of your money back. You're telling me this truck is going to last another five years? Well, I guess maybe <laughs> in your case is not appropriate. But I've gone. I've always had my interstate batteries. Uh, they always crap out. They're good batteries, but yeah. when they crap out, they just crap out real yeah. quick. Yeah. And then you end up, and you, and it's always before the six years. It's never going to be six years. It's bull crap. There's no way. Well, I appreciate the advice. I thank you for your courage. And in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. Well, that's a change of pace. In the morning to you, Mr. Adam Curry. Also, all the ships at sea, all the boots on the ground, the feet in the air, the grocks in the water, and all the dames and knights out there. And I also want to say uh, hi to... uh, (laughs) Hi. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Yeah, hi to who? To our new listeners. Oh, that's very nice. I want to say in the morning uh, to all of our uh, human resources in the chat room there, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. I also want to say hi uh, to our artists. Uh, we had a, it was a nice piece of art that we used for 583. Rob Lytell came back. Did you know, this is funny, he sent me a note maybe two hours after the show. He says, oh, my God, um, here's a new version of the art. Thank you for, for putting it in there because I misspelled Dvorak's name. 
And neither you or I caught it. I thought that was the way I spelled it. D-O-V-R-A-K. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much we're paying attention. Yeah. Uh, so I swapped it out. But that was nice, Rob. I Thank you. Uh, NoAgendaArtGenerator.com is where you can submit your artwork uh, and where you can find lots of fun stuff to look at for sure. Uh, so give that a shot. And, um, well, you probably noticed there's no commercials in this program. If you knew, the reason why is if we had commercials, it wouldn't be this show. There's no way we could talk about this. We would be either off the air or hate groups would have been pulling our, you know, telling our advertisers to never advertise on our show again. That's uh, true. So we live uh, purely. That's, actu- that's actually what you said right there is a fact. Yeah. We could not do the show any other way than the way we're doing it, which is we're requiring our listeners, if they get anything out of the show, of course, if yeah. they'd hate the show, yeah, they wouldn't be listening not. in the first place. They'd just go away, exactly. They'd go away, and then we wouldn't have a show, and that would be the end of it, and that's the way it goes. Or when the government shuts us down, which is probably a few years off. Well, I'm, I'm going to be riding on your on your license. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, you will. Yeah. That's right. I will yeah. get a license. I can get a license. I'm well qualified. I'm in the Perez Hilton camp. <laughs> you don't. You get. I think it. you're doing the show long enough. Should you... no, 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 no. I think I can just hear hear Bill Maher. What you're going to give a a, a a former MTV VJ a journalism license? Ha ha ha! Put him in the Perez Hilton camp, <laughs> where you can only yeah, report on. True. You can only report on celebrities. Yeah, that's all he's good for. That's right. All right. Well, we have a few uh, executive producers, associate executive producers for Show Five Eighty Four to thank. Uh, one, two, three, four ex- executive producers and two associates, starting with Archduke David Foley, who came in again. 999.99. Wow. Nice. He and apparently is he's doing well in some way, one of his many businesses. He's one of those serial entrepreneurs that people always talk about, but nobody ever No one ever, actually no, knows. Actually knows. <laughs> we, do, yeah. we know one. We here know. he is. Here he is. This is him. Uh, he uh, wants another – apparently he's become superstitious, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. about the karma because it works for him. And so he needs another dose because he needs it for a big day on Tuesday. Oh, all right. So this is uh, uh, David Foley, Archduke of Silicon Valley. He runs the Protectorate of Silicon Valley, which yeah, he is he, quite a stretch. A yeah, top so, guy. Yeah. He, he is – if you want anything done there, you got to talk to him. And we're very happy to give you some massive, wonderful No Agenda Karma for your Tuesday. You've got karma. And thank you for your patronage, your super support. And he, he does this get him to a grand dukedom? I, I'm going to have to do the math or have Please Eric get, run the numbers because he's getting close to... Uh, having his own jingle is what I'm thinking. Yes, I think he's got... He's not too far away if he's not there already, but I, I believe he's got a couple... You know, he's got a little ways to go. Not not far. Right. And then he can take over the whole state. Peter Gill at 625 Kenmore, Queensland, Australia. Uh, hi, John and Adam. Our last donation was 19th January 2012 for 375 I posted it for my son's Charlie's birthday and asked for some karma for his medical problems, which I'm happy to say seem to have all sorted themselves out. It's amazing. I'm now donating 675 to bring it up to a knighthood. I'd like to request a knighthood for Charlie Gill and a call out for his birthday again on the 21st. A note from Charlie below. Dear John and Adam, I am donating the combination of my Festivus <laughs> and 17th birthday Aww. presents to the best podcast in the universe Aww. to complete my 
Knighthood. I've been listening to oh. Noah Genesis since about episode 300 and decided to give some value for value. All I ask is for some general purpose karma, a birthday oh. call out for Tuesday, and to be knighted as Sir Gill. Aww. Keep up the good work. Uh, this is the kind of future I hope for for Australia. I hope for all countries in Gitmo Nation. These are the, these are the, the young people we need. Uh, of course, we uh, remember that you also have a, a night ring, uh, uh, Charlie. So go to noagendanation.com slash rings and make sure you fill out your info. So uh, yeah. Eric, should... wait about a year. Thank you to the Australian Postal Service. Yeah, th- th- there's that problem, but uh, we-, we will get it out to you right away. And here's that karma you need. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You've got karma. General purpose karma. It's good. Now here's a anyway. check that came in with no note. It was one of the bank checks and it was from Joseph Jones for $583, which makes him a member of the 583 Club, which is the last show. He's from Apex of all places, North Carolina, uh, which is the top of North Carolina, the Apex. So I'm thinking that he either gets a five eighty four, but I'm but if somebody's gonna donate five eighty three, it must be significant. So we we'll put him as the sole member, I believe, of the five eighty three club. Yeah, as far as I can tell. I don't think we had a five eighty three club member. I'm just just uh, wait wait, 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 wait. I have a note here. Oh you did, you got a note. I got I I see I'm glad I checked this. Uh guys, my excuse for not donating sooner could not be more lame. Basically I couldn't think of anything interesting to say in the note. I'd like to recommend, and I did forward this. This did come into you, by the way, and I did forward this to the shill, so I'm surprised the back office uh, didn't get this. I'd like to recommend to all the listeners holding off on a donation. Just go ahead and donate before it piles up so high that you have to be a member of the 700 Club, which <laughs> is very funny. Uh, since I have nothing to plug, I will note that I attempted my own lame version of the No Agenda show long before I knew No Agenda existed. I did one ah. episode... If you have around 20 minutes to waste, you can find it at drunkenwebmaster.com. I'd like a karma to go towards my stock trading endeavors for 2014. Thank you, Joe. Absolutely. Here's to your stocks. You've got karma. Right on. I did did get that note. I lost track of it, I guess. And I did go to uh, drunkenwebmaster.com. And it's great. It, it, It shows you that we make it look easy. Does he struggle? <laughs> well, first of all, he's drunk. Which, oh, <laughs> which, well, I like that idea. Have you ever seen Doug with High getting Doug with High? No. It's a podcast where this comedian, who apparently is kind of in that, Mimi might know him. He's in Doug Brenton something. He's in kind of the comedian circuit. And what he does is he has people on, mainly comedians. They smoke a bong and then they, he interviews them. <laughs> I like it. It's pretty good, actually. And and like it, my idea for a show, legally drunk, I've always wanted to do. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting to watch. Huh. I would go on that show. I would do that. I would. I would. would you smoke the bong? Would you smoke? You, you don't oh, yeah. smoke anymore. No, I would do it for the show. It's not going to kill me. I'm not going to fall off the wagon and be hooked on weed. <laughs> <laughs> I could just. Oh <laughs> man, I fell off the wagon. I'm on the weed again, John. <laughs> that dumb podcast. Oh, heroin next. Right. What am I thinking? Yeah. All right. Todd McGreevy in Davenport, Iowa, 350 bucks. Dear John and Adam, please accept this donation, knowing that Iowa's independent business brokers support the best podcast in the universe, www.marigoldresources.com. Thanks for plugging our bro- business brokerage. This is Todd McGreevy. My wife, Kathleen, and I continue to be impressed by the research and analysis you provide. It's all right before everyone's eyes, but you guys take the time to look. See and connect the dots. So you're telling me that Todd and his wife, uh, Kathleen, and by the way, you should be sending a picture. 
um, that they are trading based on uh, our analysis? Is that is that trading what? Well, brokerage. They're a trading firm. Okay. Is that what I'm understanding? I don't know. I don't know that. Well, it's see, Marigold Resort. Mary. I think it's wishful thinking. Well, it seems like we could, we could certainly. I think that our Mary, we help clients in their search to sell or acquire companies, divisions, or product lines. Oh, well, hello. Please sell Mevio. <laughs> Mevio. <laughs> Projectmotion.com. $222.22 from Childress, Texas. No comment. Sir Michael Levin, $200 from Brooklyn, New York. ITM, John and Adam. Sir Levin, 11 here. Get it? Need another shot of happy selling karma for my lovely wife. Thank you for your courage uh, and stay safe. Absolutely. Happy to hand out some karma to you. You've got karma. What is this projective? And those, besides, as he looks up projectivemotion.com, those are our donors, uh, executive oh, yeah. producer donors for show 584. I want to remind people to go to Dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA. Also, the No Agenda Show and No Agenda Nation have buttons. And I suppose people who post the show, which we encourage you to do on your own blog, uh, you should also have a link to Dvorak.org slash NA. A projectivemotion.com, a 23-year-old programmer from Reynosa, Mexico. He specializes in website systems. Very nice. A couple of uh, PR mentions. Uh, of course, we have the the2030club.com, and I have received tons of emails from people, and I've been updating the website. I haven't yet done the black background with the red letters, uh, John, because I can't quite figure out the CSS stuff. <laughs> I will figure it out. Um, but we had... Uh, Center... Center background. Center, just center. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Um, Tom, Adam, your idea is brilliant. There are tangible threats that do culminate in the year 2030, which require require, require remediation and preparation. I have registered mk2030.com, and after the details are worked out, I will point it to the appropriate location. So, so he's smart. He understands his company, Millennium Night was formed on his Y2K remediation success, <laughs> where he soaked, I mean, helped the Los Angeles Times, Transamerica Life Companies, and a few dot-com companies modify their systems to fix the date calculation errors. Um, so, he, and he requests that we uh, put a link to the 2030 Club because he wants to do his $7.33 a month so he can uh, uh, have donated $2030 in dollars by uh, the year 2030. Huh. So he was looking for a link, couldn't find it. Uh, then we have uh, Ryan, who registered uh, 2030seeds.com. Ah, <laughs> a winner. Genius. <laughs> so I'm sure he'll be uh, selling seeds. Uh, and then Darren, Adam, been listening for about a year now, love the show, just happened to be buying a domain while listening to your last show. And when you said something about the 2030 Club, I, I looked around, I said I got 2k30club.com. So I've... Uh, Registered that and forwarded it to the 2030club.com. So he's just forwarding a domain and no, no business per se. Uh, but we got tons of great stories about uh, about 2030. They are everywhere. Uh, and this is a bonanza you can get in on the ground floor of this. 16 years to go. Amazon.com, Global Trends, Alternative Worlds uh, from the Kindle Store, How Wall Street Can Solve the Climate Crisis by 2030 from Mother Jones, uh, Food and Farming Industries, will be uh, need to be more competitive by 2030 from the UK government. Uh, the Bride of Christ, Ministry of Life, End of the World, Part 2, 2030. There you go. 
2030, urbanization, major cities, population development. There's all kinds of stories. Wow. Yeah, there's a You ton. stumbled onto something, my friend. You stumbled onto something. <laughs> it was just pure luck. No skill involved. Oh, no, it was psychic. <laughs> That's what it must be. Uh, anyway, thank you all very much for supporting the program. We'll have another one on Thursday, and of course, uh, in a little bit, we'll also be doing our donors uh, fifty dollars or more uh, to thank them for their courage for supporting the best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org/na. And it goes without saying, we always appreciate you going out there and propagating our formula. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. All right, uh, all right. The amphetamines are uh, wearing off, so I'll just let you talk for a bit. Well, let me get before we talk about amphetamines wearing off. That you mentioned it. Did you know about the drugs in Syria? Um, yeah, I knew. I know that there's uh, there's trafficking. I didn't, I'm not quite sure. No, what... no, it's actually worse than that. Here's a clip that to keep people up to date on this. And there's a new thing in there that you'll find interesting. Fighters on both sides of the Syrian civil war turning to drugs as both a source of funding and staying power in battle, a recent media investigation has revealed. The soaring expor- export of illegal amphetamines has turned Syria into a major drug hub. Artis Maria Fnoshner explains. With Syria about to enter in its fourth devastating year of war, the lack of law and structure has allowed one drug industry to flourish. The country has become the number one producer of a drug known as Captagon. It's a synthetic uh, stimulant first manufactured in the 1960s and it was at that time used as a medicine to treat hyperactivity and depression. But it's too addictive and this is why it was banned in most countries. Though here in the Middle East it's still very popular, it's cheap and it's easy to get. But today Syria not only produces more than any other country in the region, but it's also Captagon's main consumer. It's believed that fighters are taking these pills uh, to maintain vigorous energy levels during lengthy battles because it helps you keep awakened for hours and hours. But there are also reports that ordinary citizens, uh, those who've been living in depression and in this war and carriers for almost three years now are also turning to the drug for the escapist euphoria. Can you get me some? It's phenethylene. Yeah. It's the stuff you see, it, it always, uh, I, I was never heard of this captagon, but I did some research. Phenethylene is that, I think it's that fen fan that you see it, you know, they used to advertise it on, on spammers, used to get, get, you can get it from them. Fen fan? Remember that? Fen Fen, something like that. Very, very vaguely, I remember something. Yeah, that was like a number of years ago. I think that's what this is, is phenethylene, which is a a chemical that when you take it, it breaks down into into amphetamine and something else, and it gives you a buzz. I don't see any evidence that it's more addictive or horrible, more horrible than just straight dex or uh, what's the stuff everyone's taking? Uh, Adderall. Adderall, which is amphetamines. Or by or that stuff, yeah. You know, Adderall, which I was stunned to find out was just a dexedrine. It's amphetamines, pure amphetamine. Yeah. Yeah. You don't what want to it, take amphetamines. They're not, it, it, amphetamines are... Um, what, did you, what did you think it was? You thought it was some magical drug that fixed people's well, brains? Well, I didn't know. I was, <laughs> just, I, was, I was naively thinking it was something other than, why would they change the the good old name of dexamphetamine to Adderall? It just oh, made no oh, sense no, to no, me. No, there's a reason for that. Uh, it's 
<clears throat> it comes from ADD are all. I, I, I read this. The, the, Attention the, deficit disorder yes. is in the name. Yes, 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 oh. yes. Yeah, yeah. Name Adderall. I'm telling you, I read this the other day. Uh, 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 the, the guy who came up with it named the it. Genius. Because, <laughs> it's a marketing genius. He took something that was invented in the 60s. Uh, let me see. There must be something about the name here. Yeah, but it was something like ADD for all or something. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't know that? That's funny. No, I didn't know this. This is like embarrassing. I should have known this. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, keep going. This is interesting. So anyway, this stuff is apparently, and they showed, it's, it comes in a pill form. It's basically like a Benny used to be in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, Benny. A Benny. Yeah. Remember Benny's? Yeah. Well, I don't, I never had them, but I, I remember. There's a Benny. There used to be, they used to have Bennies, and, and the best Bennies were called cross tops. And they were a pill that had a, a kind of a cross top. You could bust them into quarters if you wanted to. And they were all over the place. It was like, this is what truck drivers used in the 60s and 70s. So they stay could away. stay on right. those long right. hauls. Yeah. And so they get a few bennies. So you get if you would to buy bennies, you would go to a. I knew a guy who was selling them, so I could tell you. I knew a lot of details. <laughs> Apparently, most of them were sold through uh, truck stops at, at cafes at the truck stop, and they would. There was a bag full of them. You buy a bag of bennies, and it was a big bag. It was like you know a hundred of them, and it was. I don't remember what the price. A <laughs> hundred of them. That would be like ten thousand dollars in the, in today's today's time with Adderall. If you had a hundred of them. No, they were a hundred of them. They were worth like a dime or twenty cents or something. They were cheap, uh, uh. but they had uh, these. Uh, Captagon. The, the report goes on. They were selling. They're selling. What does what an Adderall cost? Do you think? I have no idea. I, I mean, like it, ten, twenty. Hey, bucks. you know what? It's insured, so you know who gives a crap. These uh, Captagon sell for ten or twenty dollars a piece, and apparently it's very easy to make. And they have, and they were showing how people were smuggling them, and they were just there were just piles and piles of these pills. I get the sense that everybody in the uh, Syrian area is just completely stoked on amphetamines, shooting at everything. I mean, this doesn't sound like a safe place. <laughs> I want the jumpy. You know, there's a there's a. I have a somewhere in my collection of tapes. Cassette, and I've never seen this. Cassettes are reel to reels or reel to reel or Betamax or Umatix. We're going way back. No, we're going to early stuff. Uh huh. Uh, I have, I have, I know I've got it somewhere. I, I'm going to, I'm moving all my reel to reels to, I bought a big reel to reel deck, a big t t 10 inch TAC, oh, nice. which I'm going to sell afterwards because apparently they're valuable and they, uh, I'm going to move everything to DVDs because the, these tapes are just not get, you know, they're getting cross talk and the rest of the problems you have with tapes because you know, when they sit next to it, when they stay there and not being rewound much, they start to magnetize the sound from the next layer. I have a bit where Bob and Ray, and I've never heard this reproduced. I've never heard, I've looked and looked for it. And I know, and I have a copy somewhere, Bob and Ray at the amphetamine factory. Who are Bob and Ray? Bob and Ray are these two deadpan comics that were very popular in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And I think they went back to the radio days, probably in the 30s and 40s, I think the 40s. Uh, and and it was if you knew who Bob and Ray was, you could just imagine. And there's probably about ten percent of our audience who does. You can just imagine them doing that bit in the amphetamine factory. Mm. And to me, amphetamines and all these things, meth hey, and all the rest. Listen of to it. this for a second. Bob Elliott and Ray Goulding, American comedy team, whose careers spanned five decades. Their format was typically to satirize the medium in which they were performing. Hello, crackpot and buzzkill. <laughs> 
Yeah. We're, we're channeling Bob and Ray. Well, there's a Bob and Ray element to the show, that's for sure. Ah, Whatever the case, especially when we do our sketches, mm. which we don't do as enough of, but we oh, do. Oh, I have one for later. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I have a So sketch. anyway, Bob and Ray. But I just <laughs> imagine all these people hopped up on amphetamines and, and with guns. I mean, this yeah. has got just hilarious. <laughs> with stinger missiles, not just guns. <laughs> wow. Anyway. That's good. Uh, I mean, it's not good that that's happening in Syria because I, probably what's going on, you know, now it's these the talk of the, you know, the rebels are fighting each other now, which it's kind of pretty sure that was that was what was going on to start with. Yeah. But now they're they're just it's probably over drugs. It's probably an all all an all out drug war. Just to the south of Turkey, coincidentally. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, the situation is bad. Well, here we go. Um, here's a Bob and Ray. Um, the Bachelor. Are you familiar with this uh, this program, The Bachelor? I watched the first season of it because I thought it was somewhat entertaining, and then I never watched it since. Uh, so uh, all the shows just started up, right? Uh, the January, the, the mid-season replacement. Everything's going on. Everyone's uh, was looking for ratings. And that's why all that's why all your celebrity award shows are on now. It's all about the ratings. Uh, so the Bachelor, uh, the, the current Bachelor Juan Pablo Galavis, came out with something very controversial. He said, "Gays shouldn't be on this show," and of course, this is now turning into a controversy. Now, here's, well, wait a minute. Gays? Is he referring to the females? I uh, know males. No, but there's was, no males on the show except him. Well, I'm going to well, I'm going to read you from the article. It's uh, in the, in the in the show notes here. Um, here we go. Juan Pablo Galavis, the 32 year old star of The Bachelor, who also appeared in the most recent season of The Bachelorette, made the remarks in an interview with TV's TV pages Sean Daly, who posted audio of the comments. The writer asked whether ABC ABC should have a gay or bisexual bachelor on the show. No, Galavis responded. Just because I respect them, but honestly, I don't think it's a good example for kids to watch that on TV. It's hard, it's hard, it's a very thin line. Now, here's, here's, the, here's what I find interesting. ABC is the, the channel that runs uh, The Bachelor. Uh, ABC, of course, we know, owns A&E, who, of course, uh, 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 have the Duck Dynasty program. So I think it kind of went like this. Um, shit, we need some ratings. What can we do? <laughs> let, let me call down to marketing for a second. Hold on a second. Let me, uh... Hello, marketing? Hey, marketing here. Hey, marketing, listen. Uh, we need some ratings for this Bachelor show. This is crap, crap, crap. What you got? Gays. <laughs> what do you mean, gays? Bring a gay in the military. What? <laughs> how does the gay work? How do we get ratings with gays? You got any proof? Yeah, make, uh, I would say, uh, offhand, just offhand, uh, put a gay uh, bachelor. <laughs> hey, I'm going to call the other marketing department. This one doesn't have the right script. Hold on a second. <laughs> yes, mar <laughs> marketing department here. Hey, you know that we got, it really worked, that Duck Dynasty gay thing really worked. Why don't we have the guy do yeah. an interview? Yeah. Do an interview and say something outrageous about gays. Okay. Yeah, I got an idea right now. What are you going to do? Have him say that uh, there's no room for gays on the show. <laughs> Excellent idea. Excellent. 
We can tie it in and we can grab some of that anti-gay stuff from NBC. Those guys have got all the Russian gay shit with the with the Olympics. Crap, okay. we got to steal our gays. Yeah, no, we don't want anyone watching NBC. <laughs> hey, how old are you there in the marketing department? I'm a 35-year-old lady. <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. Uh, uh, Brian the Gay Crusader sent me this. He says, oh my God, look what... I said, hello, don't you see how easy this is to deconstruct? He said, they, they, they were successful with the A&E's Duck Dynasty. Now they're trying to do it for all their ABC properties. Hello, <laughs> don't you see... And of all the, yeah, and all the networks are probably really rife with gays. And it's it's just so interesting that the gay community... I'm sorry, the LGBT, the LGBTQQI community doesn't see how... Your sexuality How being used yes. and manipulated. Yes, your sexuality is being completely ab- abused, abused. Which brings me to uh, the happy news that today we will be releasing the white paper that clearly shows the the propaganda used by primarily American but certainly Western media to scandalize and shout down Russia for the so-called gay hate laws, I'll just take it all the way, uh, that proves that uh, these laws are not only uh, specifically hating gays, uh, that Russia actually is much more LGBTQQI friendly than certainly the United States. Um, And case in point, everyone probably saw that Putin, to to, to hype up the Olympics, uh, did a very rare uh, interview, which was translated in the following way. The Sochi Games are a huge moment of national pride and prestige involving huge investment, new roads, new railways, effectively an entire new winter resort. But the rest of the world has been looking on and seeing controversy over corruption, over the release of political prisoners, and above all, a bitter, bitter row between the West and Russia over gay rights. That remains a philosophical divide. On a day when Mr. Putin said gays were welcome at the Olympics, but they should leave the kids in peace. (laughs) So was all the money. So this was essentially uh, interpreted by um, uh, certainly the British press, but all over the world as, oh, gays are pedophiles automatically? Really? That's what you're saying, Putin? (laughs) That's great. I mean, seriously, uh, uh, Putin cautions gay visitors to not abuse children. I mean, (laughs) I I don't speak Russian. I'd love to get a true translation of what he said because, of course, the law is really only about minors. The word gay is not in the law anywhere. No, it's about any alternative lifestyle. Any. Any whatsoever. Um, And it is uh, specifically for minors. So what he was saying is, hey, you do whatever you want to do, but you can't propagandize minors. That's our law. And that's very different from strict anti-gay laws. They hate gays. Uh, I've actually I've been fighting with uh, not fighting, but uh, Brian. One of the 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 reported number of LGBTQIQBBII uh, crimes in Russia versus America. The difference is astounding. I mean, seriously, in in like two years in America, one thousand four hundred in Russia, twenty. Of course, you know, there's like what yeah, is reporting it? issues. Ex- exactly. That's that was my. I said, dude, if I had this report. I'd I'd call this invalid because 
Uh, come on, you know, it's like who the hell knows what they're reporting. But anyway, um, it's it's a it's really is it's a it's a beautiful piece of work. I do have a couple other points from it, which is just kind of nice. Just to, uh, I think I put that in here today. Um, maybe I don't have it offhand. Uh, but really, when you see what is allowed in America versus what is allowed in Russia, uh, when it comes to living together, uh, uh, being in the military, um, uh, adopting children, it, it's much more liberal in Russia. But it doesn't matter because it's <clears throat> this is a machine that we can fight forever, and we're not going to win, but at least we've done it. And I'm very, very proud of Brian, uh, who is going to be ridiculed by his own community to no end for doing this. So I actually not, not if it's, if he closes if he does it right, you no, can get around. You, no, you, what, you, it, ignored John, is what usually will happen if it's done well. Yes, but I mean, yes, he'll be ignored. Uh, but it's it doesn't matter. People will the mainstream people who just will not take the effort to, even to read his white paper. Our, no, you know, in fact, if it's done right, somebody will get a hold of the white paper, summarize it incorrectly, yes, exactly. and make that yeah. the meme. Got an email from Sir Jim, Baron of Jamaica Plain and Surrounding Plantations, uh, on the gay protest. Uh, so I'll be interested to see the white paper about the Russian gay laws that the No Agenda listener is producing, because like most people, I don't know, and Jim uh, is uh, LGBTQQI something, I don't know what is actually the fact about the supposed anti-gay legislation in Russia, we have no deconstruction or analysis of such things except by no agenda and its supporters. All the corporate media investigate, investigative journalists seem to be busy going through Justin Bieber's trash. Well, it's true. Which is, you know, I'll be licensed for that, me and Perez Hilton. I do remember since I lived in Denver at the time, the wrong-headed and counterproductive reaction by gay groups and individuals in response to the passage of an unpleasant homophobic initiative in Colorado in the early 90s. Uh, this was Amendment 2... Uh, uh, let's see, this was, he actually said, generally homophobic, a mean-spirited initiative whipped up by the folks at Pat Robertson's Christian Coalition uh, in the category of never missing an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Major gay ski clubs, particularly in California, announced a blanket boycott of Colorado as a venue. As a result, <clears throat> most gay-owned and operated guest houses and bed and breakfasts in major resorts of Vail, Beaver Creek, Aspen, etc., who got the lion's share of gay travel bookings, were put out of business or had to relocate. You see, this is very important, what, uh, what Jim is saying. It's, it's, huh. it's counterintuitive. You think you're protesting, but you're actually hurting everything. It may be uh, the idea. What could have been a teaching moment to do something politically savvy and divert business preferentially to gay-owned establishments and publicize the amendment as bad business ended up only hurting gay people and gay-friendly business in Colorado. Final irony... Where do you think the outraged and high-minded California gay ski clubs diverted their trips to? Park City, Utah. <laughs> that is kind of ironic. Exactly. Here come the boots. It could be. That, it, it could be. You're right. That's a very interesting point, John. Yeah, it could be all a setup. It could have been the Park City, Utah guys who were behind the whole, oh, look at this horrible thing. Yeah, boycott all of it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the way uh, capitalism works. Interesting. Yeah, but I, and anyway, so the, the, the LGBTQI community members, my brothers and sisters, you are being duped. <laughs> duped. You are being duped. Big. Everyone's time. being duped, and not just them. Well, I know, but talking about being duped, apparently that uh, bull crap where we almost bombed Syria, 
and we just barely didn't bomb them because of uh, Kerry and all the rest of it. Yeah. Here's the rockets in Syria and gassing bull crap that's just recently come to light. Oh, really? Our correspondent in New York City there will meet time the U.S. conclusion that a chemical attack near Damascus in August was carried out by the government has been challenged by a team of highly respected experts. Washington immediately then blamed President Assad, but this new report from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology found the rocket couldn't have been fired from government-controlled areas. We went through uh, two to three months uh, worth of study to determine uh, the types of rockets, uh, uh, the, the weight, the size, uh, the propellant. And we determined that the range is on the order of two kilometers. I'd like to make a note that uh, the UN also uh, uh, had come up with a range of approximately two kilometers. So this is very confusing to us in our studies, and we're trying to understand exactly uh, what the White House map means. Because right now, as it stands, these rockets could have never been fired from government-controlled territory. They would be fired more from uh, a rebel type of territory or a border of a contested territory. Hey, Bieber, 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 throw some eggs somewhere, man. They're onto the rocket shit. Come on, throw some eggs. Okay, boss. Okay, boss. (laughs) Throw some eggs at the house next door. Hey, one of your friends has some coke. Yeah. Bob and we our show said this when it happened. Yeah, we we deconstructed come right down to the 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 fine the finest minute detail of why it could not have been the government. And besides the point they they most of the target was a bunch of soldiers, government soldiers that were making inroads yeah. on the rebels. I mean, and that of course that's when John Kerry and the president came out with they're killing their own people. Yeah. And I always thought it was kind of ludicrous that they were shoot they were killing their own soldiers. And nobody yeah. seemed to think twice about this. Yeah, well, that's uh yeah. Yeah, okay. We did we think We kind of knew this was going on, but we didn't know it was going on, and we've not re- we talked about it. But play the this clip, Panama Canal. Interesting. Okay, Panama Canal. Welcome back. The Panama Canal's expansion project may soon grind to a halt. The canal's administration is in the midst of a financial dispute with a Spanish consortium working on that project. And now it has reportedly held talks with other contractors as it prepares to suspend the project on Monday. Negotiations are still underway with the current workers. For now, the construction group went $1.6 billion over budget before threatening to stop unless they're paid more. Now, was this not the Chinese financing this? Is that, do I recall that for some reason? Well, I thought the Chinese were doing it, and apparently not. Not, and I, yeah, this came. This, by the way, this report came from CCTV, but they didn't really discuss the where the money's coming from. Mm-hmm. But the yeah, they're trying to widen the thing so they can cut time. You know, because the, the the shipping companies. I mean, we talk about the rail companies trying to move. You know, goods and services from China into uh, Europe and elsewhere. Yeah, we, we, this is for the bigger. This, I think, but, if I recall, this is for the 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 LNG ships. We need to have these huge. Well, there's uh, yeah, we need this, but so do the Chinese because they're still because don't anybody. I mean, you or me or anyone else think that the shipping companies, the ones who move goods from China to the United States over the ocean, are going to roll over or they're no. in bed with the rail companies? No, of course not. 
not going to happen. So they, so the Chinese wanted to widen this thing, and they showed them some aerial shots. Holy crap! Yeah, it's like they're going to make this thing the size of it's going to be so wide you can run two, you know, three across kind of thing going through. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so but some, I guess the, the Spanish uh, decided they're not going to do any more work. It, well, <laughs> hey, hey, I have siesta. Oh we're done. Ah, we're done, man. It was the Panama Canal Authority. I think it would be the Chinese somehow botching this because, you know, they're not the greatest managers of anybody but Chinese. Yeah, yes. Yes, I would agree. Um, that's interesting. Well, now you've, you know, I know people in Panama. In fact, we have a... We have a Panama person. Panamanian, one, of our, uh, one of our Panamanian producers. Listers, producers runs a hotel in Panama. Yeah, we need to start getting some communications going here. Yeah, well, he sent me an email recently, and he said, come on down. Well, I never got one. I never got an invite. Yeah. I'd love to see Panama. And we have uh, we have another fr uh, friend of the show who has a house there. Well, we can uh, do a meetup. Yeah. <laughs> we can have a meetup with our one friend at the at our <laughs> producer's hotel, restaurant. We're good to go. Yeah. It could also be called lunch. But we'll, but we'll name it's it lunch. It'll be a lunch. It'll but be it, a tax write-off. We write -off. call it a tweet-up. Tweet we'll it tweet it's, it's a tax write-off if we call it a meetup. It's much better. <laughs> All righty. Okay, I've got a couple more things here. I, I do have this little longer expose, of, of that, which I think would conclude with the... I think every once in a while we have to show that the alternative media personalities and Amy Goodman in this case oh, is an idiot. Can I can I make a uh, a recommendation? Yes. Uh, we have a rather short list. Why don't we thank our producers and then uh, do this right after that? Because it looks like you've got a couple things here. And, and... Well, before we do that, before mm -hmm. we thank our producers, I do have a little uh, a little rant that we can run. This is a guy like an Occupy guy, and I was watching this with uh, Buzzkill Junior, and I was. This is a guy on a megaphone, only he's got a microphone, and the megaphone is being held by someone else. Oh, this is that's the ultimate. And, and, and someone, someone else, else is, is, is pointing the megaphone while this guy talks into the into this little, you know, like a, a radio control, uh, one of those police microphones with a button on top. Yeah. And JC says it has something to do with the way they, the police would stop someone. There's some rationale for doing this this way. But the person holding the megaphone. Okay, oh, hold, stop, hold stop, 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 stop. Uh, so if I understand what you're saying, someone else is holding the megaphone, and then there's a wire with a mic, and the person speaking is speaking into the mic, so he's technically not holding the megaphone, which has uh, implications on who could get arrested for disturbing the peace? Apparently. Okay. Something. Right, it's a tr some sort of a gambit. Got it. Whatever the case is, the person holding the megaphone is is texting with her other hand and also taking selfies <laughs> during the process. <laughs> and I found the whole thing to be semi-disturbing, but I, I like this guy's message. And I think it kind of uh, it relates to advertising, and this is the Occupy rant clip. Play the public airwaves for no money. The companies do not pay one penny to own the public broadcasting spectrum. And they use that to rake in hundreds of billions of dollars every year. The news won't report on stories that go against the corporations that own them. They won't report on stories that go against the advertisers that buy airtime on their network. The 
that advertisers have to sign agreements with the networks that mandate that the networks will not broadcast anything that is offensive or harmful towards those corporations. This is how money is censoring our information. And you know who one of the biggest advertisers on the networks are? The politicians. In the last election cycle for the president, there was over a billion dollars spent on presidential campaign advertisements. How can we trust the media to report and to be critical on these politicians when they're entirely dependent on the money from these ad campaigns? And so we have a democracy that's owned and controlled by corporations. They kick out every other political party but the Republicans and Democrats. And this is what we're left with. John C. Dvorak, I hereby give you... Clip of the day. <laughs> Democracy. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, oh, No Agenda. In the morning. No advertising on this show. <laughs> I just got to kick. I got a That's kick good. out of that because, of course, uh, we are not bound, as it were, by this sort of. Uh, <laughs> no, no. It problem. took us a long time to get where we are today. To even well, be I able th- to yes, survive, but, uh, but we're not bound. No, we are. We are not. We are. We're we all- are unbound. But we're unbound thanks to our uh, supporters, including yeah. uh, the people that we're going to mention now, and uh, m- among others that we don't mention that are below a certain limit or they want to be anonymous. John Bolwit doesn't. One hundred sixty-nine dollars and sixty-nine cents, but he has no message, and we don't know where he's from. Now, are, uh, is it not time today that we do you have a script? A script for what? For no, the, no, 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 no. No, one more. We got to wait one more. One more. Thursday? One so more, are we doing it Thursday? Show. Thursday. Thursday, we make it rain because we got a lot of ladies. Yeah, there's a bunch of people backed up. Need to be- <laughs> They're all backed up. <laughs> They're backed up. <laughs> we got to clean Dame, the stage, mop it up. Yeah, Dame, Dame Sam Menner, uh, $111 says Bucks Hill, South Victoria, Australia. The shows have been truly outstanding recently. They've been so good. I love your work. Here's $111.11 to make it rain for Michelle Dame Samantha from the House of the Dubious Repute. <laughs> Do we have pictures of... Uh, of uh, no, now that she mentions that she's from the House of Dubious Repute. <laughs> I need to, need to I see I would your like paperwork. to see what she looks like. Yeah, I need to have some... Uh, I need your paperwork, uh, Dame we Sam. Dubi- we have a Dame of a Dubious... A couple of Dames of Dubious Repute. I should uh, hope so. That, that listen to the show. I should hope so. Sir Stephen Count, yeah, this is a population thing. It's a numbers game. Yeah, Sir Stephen Count the money. Whatever that means. In Pantago, North Carolina, hundred dollars and two cents. Cleaning out my PayPal account. Nice. By the way, this is a good thing for people to remember to Very do. Smart idea. A lot of people got money in the PayPal account. They're sitting there, not getting you nothing. He's count- and he cleaned out his PayPal yeah. account and sent it to us. Count the money. He says he got a, ver- a, a voice message from the scam and fraud department when I first used my actual PayPal account. Hmm. So he gave up on the whole thing. Uh, Richard Olson in Ellenburg, Washington, uh, sent us $100, and, and he sent it in. And he, uh, Rick Olson, actually, and he sent in a QSL card. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's Kentucky Fried 7, Quizzling New Law. It's his call letters. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, right. Rick Olson in Ellen, Ellensburg, Washington, and he's got some sort of... Uh, a nice picture on the on the on the card. 
he did send us a, uh, a, a handwritten note, sad to admit it. I'm a longtime boner, first-time donor, which actually donor looks like cloner if you write the D in the C. My resolution for 2014 was to make up for for that plea. Well, make up for that. Please find enclosed a check, one of ten for knighthood. He's going to go for knighthood. I'm not going to request anything except for karma for you two. Thanks for your work. Seventy threes. Take some karma at the end. Uh, anyway, that's uh, thank that's you very nice. much. That's very nice. And a Sorry. That's Alex Ball with 9999 London, Ohio. It was a very long note, which we, we read. Uh, he came up with a 33 theory, which is didn't mean anything. And we already have this 33 theory, which is it's got something to do with the with the uh, yeah, Masons. Freemasons. Yeah, we, we but, we, but so what? It, it doesn't tell us anything. No. <laughs> Richard Harris, 75 bucks, Fairhope, Alaska. Or Alabama. That's Alabama. Alabama. Ciro Picirillo. I Picirillo. Picirillo in Hendersonville, North Carolina, 70. And? 69! 69, dudes! Mm, short list again today. Craig Kuttner, Norwalk, Connecticut, 69, 69. Craig Porter in Jacksonville, Florida. Sir Schwartz uh, in Denmark. Uh, Edward Hines and Jack... Ooh. Two sixty-nine, sixty-nines, both from Jacksonville, Florida. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, we don't want to close it because oh, it's too no, it's too short. short. No, can't close. But minimum of six. <clears throat> Russ, fifty thirty-three, Wildwood, Missouri. That's and from his, 50- uh, That's from the No Agenda in a Briefcase app. Oh, that's half the sales to date. Yeah, nice. Oh, cool. No Agenda in a Briefcase. Where do you get that? Uh, I think it's an Android uh, store. Okay. And then $50, uh, we have a short list today, $50 from Michael Gates in Colorado Springs, Andrew Haverson in Gravenhurst, Ontario, Kyle Bauer uh, in Wooster, Ohio, and Mark Tanner in Whittier, California, and finally Christopher Brandt in Brookings, South Dakota. And that concludes our list of uh, over $50 donors for show 584. Yes, yeah, so a reminder, we have a palindrome on Thursday, 585. Ooh, 585. Nice. Yeah, 585. A number of combinations of doing that uh, to support uh, your best podcast in the universe. Uh, but regardless, we really appreciate uh, everyone who uh, supports the program under $50 as well, of course. Uh, and we do read all your notes. Uh, and it's always nice to see the, the, the 1111s, the 1212s, the 33s, the 5s, the 4s, the 2s. It's all in there. And uh, without you, we would no- be nowhere. Uh, yeah, well, well, we'd be somewhere. We would not be doing the show, that's for sure. Um, it's highly appreciated. So please go to Dvorak.org slash N-A. As discussed, Peter Gill congratulates his son, Charlie, who will be knighted in just a few moments. Uh, he turns 17 on the 21st. And DJ Powerboy, uh, John... JD, John Darius, uh, he turns 40 on January 23rd, uh, and he has been uh, helping me out with a lot of the pre-streams. So happy birthday to you from all your buddies here at the best podcast in the universe. All right, so here's the uh, father-to-son knighting that that has been promised, but also Charlie has put in his own money, his Festivus money, and his birthday money. So this is truly, uh, really, really nice uh, to be able to give this to him. Now, 
Um, seventeen. Do you think? I think. Do you think he looks like he's eighteen? Could he pass? Could uh, could he? If we didn't card him, would it be okay? I would think so. Okay. Well, I'm glad you got your. Story. All right, Charlie Gill, step forward, my friend. You are about to become Sir Gill as we welcome you to the illustrious club of the Danes and the Knights on the No Agenda Roundtable. So. Charlie Gill, please kneel as I hereby pronounce the Sir Gill Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable for you, because you look 18. Cuban cigars and single malt scotch, cannabis and cabernet, hot librarians and Jaeger bombs, opium and warm orange juice, hookers and blow, my friend, you'll like those. Three geishas and a bucket of fried chicken, maybe rim poison chardonnay, couldn't go that way. Hot pants and booze, vodka and vanilla, bong hits and bourbon, or sparkling cider and escorts, maybe just some mutton and mead. A lot of it contains things you can only have when you're 18 or 21 in some states. Uh, the No Agenda Show is not responsible anything that happens at the round table but you're in good hands but the round table in france it's not a problem <laughs> no or the netherlands for that fact yes we're not right. away and uh, of course uh, another thanks to our um, executive and associate executive producers those are real credits you get those credits on your show page which will be 584.noagendanotes.com 584.noagendanotes.com uh, and uh, they're good wherever credits are uh, accepted, uh, which includes IMDb. Uh, it includes uh, your business card, of course, but also um, LinkedIn seems to work very well. And yeah, LinkedIn's a good place. And here's the general purpose karma for everybody who requested it and needs it. You've got karma. All righty. Amy. So I'm watching the uh, Democracy Now!, and so, I, so do we decide to have, and I've used the word so too many times, but it's better and more over. Well, you can guess. More <laughs> over. More over. Just use more over. I'm going to try to use more over now that you mentioned it. I'm going to try that. I think it's a new thing, and, and you know. It'll, more over, more um. Over. <laughs> Just more over. So she has a real hard-on for the n- nuclear business. Oh, yes. And she always has. She's an old liberal, and they, they all think like it's 1955, and we're all going to die, and all the rest of it. So I I couldn't help but pick up her, you know, she she decides to do the show for the next few days from Tokyo, where she's wringing her hands over the fact that she's probably going to die from radiation sickness. <laughs> is she talking about the fish and uh, and the starfish dying off, massive sea life uh, annihilation? Well, mostly it's just anti-nuke propaganda. She didn't bring she, she does bring a lot of that up. I don't have time for all those clips. But let's start with, I wanted to hear the whole thing because she brings on this, this character who then, everything she does, it, it just be, this becomes a very embarrassing segment. She kills the show right after the end of this guy that she brings on who has a, actually a pretty good look, look in operation. But let's start with Amu, the Amu clip where she <laughs> yeah. announced that she's on the road. Peace report, I'm Amy Goodman. We are on the road in... <laughs> <laughs> on the road again. And that's hey, the way she says it. On the road. We're on the road. She could get a gig at a top 40 station any day. Hey, everybody. It's Amy Goodman in the morning with you. We're on the road. Peace report. I'm Amy Goodman. We are road. on the road Woo. in Tokyo, Japan. Tokyo. Broadcasting for the third of our three days of specials. <laughs> She's broadcasting live from the top of the Empire State Building to all states in the Tri-State area and beyond. We're on the road in Tokyo. I'm Amy Goodman. Japan is getting ready to mark the third anniversary of one of the world's worst atomic disasters. It was March 11th, 2011, when a massive 9.0 magnitude earthquake triggered a devastating tsunami that struck Japan's northeast coast. What began as a 
natural disaster quickly cascaded into a man-made one as system after system failed at the Fukushima Daiichi <laughs> nuclear power plant. My God, John. Hold on. I got to stop. She is... Everything failed. He's reading it like this. What did the what's Well, she's always tried to read like Walter Cronkite. Ah, that's what she's trying to do. It's yeah. annoying. Three of the six reactors suffered meltdowns. Releasing- no, wrong, wrong. No, wrong. Stop. There was no meltdown. Shut up. Deadly radiation into the atmosphere and the ocean. Three years later, Japan is still reeling from the impact of the disaster. More than 340,000 people became nuclear refugees, forced to abandon their homes and their livelihoods. Entire towns were forced to evacuate, including Futaba, a town that housed part of the Fukushima Daiichi plant. Before March 11, 2011, nearly 7,000 people lived in the town. Today, Futaba is a nuclear ghost town. <laughs> hey, how is Nagasaki and Hiroshima? Are they nuclear <laughs> ghost towns? Oh, by the way, not a single U.S. president ever has visited the war memorial for Nagasaki or Hiroshima. You want to talk about nuclear disaster, Amy Goodman? You shit. Um, it's okay, so she mad. brings on the mayor of either that town she just mentioned or, or yeah. Fukushima's mayor. And, and this... Before we get to the kind of the other meat, this to me was just ridiculous. It was a giveaway. It was a setup. It was the whole thing tells me what a scam and leading the rest of the clips, what a scam she's into. Just you'll you will have to laugh at the punchline of this one. Is this This Amy Amy with the mayor? Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. You have them numbered, but it's not. Okay, we're out of order. I got it. In the United States, a nuclear power plant has not been built in close to 40 years. Very much because of the anti-nuclear movement and the cost of what it means to build a nuclear power plant and what to do with the waste. But President Obama has talked about a nuclear resident, uh, renaissance uh, and is pushing for the building of several new plants for the first time in decades. What message would you share? The nuclear power disaster is not just of Fukushima. This is a disaster of all humanity, of the entire world. There is a Japanese saying. Don't drop. And this meaning is that, well, any kind of disaster is, well, three times is the limit. And we have had the three large disasters, one in the United States, one at Chernobyl, and now Fukushima. The Earth will not be able to cope with any further nuclear disasters. For the children of the future, the future generations, I hope that we can stop this now. What is the alternative? Well, I've heard in the U.S. there is shale gas, for example. (laughs) No, you don't say. You guys Make have- up your mind, people. <laughs> Fracking. <laughs> no, the fracking's good. That's that's great. 
You're so the- we bring this guy, this guy in, and Amy starts off with acting like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. This character runs this company. They name it. I don't have it off the top of my head, but you'll hear it. And it's actually pretty cool. This guy's a cool guy, and he's having none of her like suppositions and and her freakishness about the, it, in this report. And you'll hear it. We start with Amy Goodman zero. SafeCast volunteers use Geiger counters and open source software to measure the radiation, then post the data online for anyone to access. Hey, stop, stop, ev- stop. Now, I, wanna, I, I do have need to set it up a little bit. This company, SafeCast, she, I'm convinced she brought this guy on thinking to, to be like another shill for her opinions about the nuke industry right. and that we're all going to die and this guy's going to prove it because he's actually gone out there and created this interesting little system where you where it's kind of like Google uh, the Google cars that take pictures, they yeah. just drive around with a Geiger counter and they, they with a GPS and then they monitor what what the radiation is. Yeah, Turns out not reasonable. to be quite as as horrible as she's imagining it. But but now, play this, finish this clip zero. Open source software to measure the radiation, then post the data online for anyone to access. Their effort comes as Japan recently passed a new secrecy bill. Well, for more, we're joined by Peter Franken, who is co-founder of SafeCast. Welcome to Democracy Now! Explain what it is you've done. You're turning smartphones into Geiger counters? Uh, not really. <laughs> not really. The guy goes, what? Where did you even get that idea? <laughs> so he gives her a dumb look. She's, she's like, she. I think she thought that was the case, and she was hoping to find out how people can use their smartphones as Geiger counters, <laughs> which makes no sense. But okay, so we go on. Now we have two. Well, to be to be fair, there is a way with the camera. Yeah, I to know you detect can some radiation. radiation. Yeah, but it's not. It's not like it's, a Geiger counter, and it's not going to be as accurate. I have a. It? I have a, a nice Geiger counter here. Oh, I have one too. Nonsense. Uh, go to Amy to radiation in Tokyo because now she's trying to get the guy to say we're all going to die, and I'm taking a huge chance by being in Tokyo, but I'm only here three days. Uh, we're here in Tokyo, and this is where Fukushima is. You can see there is a, a big difference in uh, color. Uh, just hold on, hold on. Uh, that's the gets nervous clip, I think. No, is that what you want me to play? No, no. I'm playing. Okay, this, two this radi- is Amy radiation in Tokyo. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No. The coast. Yes, it's around North. what 150 miles yes. um, up the coast. Yes. And how toxic or radioactive is it here? Uh, compared to, um, uh, to to the rest of, of Japan, Tokyo got a certain amount of fallout. Uh, <laughs> relatively speaking, I think the levels, uh, what they are today, are maybe 50% higher than what they were before the disaster. But compared to uh, uh, locations in Fukushima, it's actually relatively low. So in terms of you know, radi- exposure to radioactivity, uh, this is nothing compared to what, what is happening in Fukushima Prefecture and, and areas around there. Oh, shit. This is not so she, she didn't get the answer she wanted. No. Now, actually, the other clip should have been played first. That was my mistake. But play, this is before he explains all this, that there's nothing to worry about. This is her reacting to him doing nothing more than holding up a tablet and then zooming in on Tokyo. And uh, I'll, I'll try to kind of zoom in to where we are right now in Tokyo. And as we're zooming in, I think you can see very nervous. You, you ah! can see every single street, and you can see all the measurements we have done around that. You're making me very nervous because I'm going to die of radiation. Wow! I was just that when she said that, I was thinking, what kind of a, what a screwed up person this Let has me, got. Can to I ask be. you a question about this report? Yeah. Um, 
I'm I'm amazed that Amy is even in Japan because you know the nuclear fallout and the radiation from Hiroshima and from uh, Nagasaki has just got to be frying her right now. She must be extremely worried about that true nuclear explosion, a real <laughs> nuclear bomb no, no, that no. went... How far is... Uh, let's just hold on a second. Before the ways. You, how far is uh, Nagasaki? Nagasaki from Tokyo. How far? Because uh, Let's find out. Because, you know, of course, we all know that you know, this this radiation is 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 going from uh, all the way from. Uh, You'd look up Nagasaki to Tokyo. I'll look up Hiroshima to okay. Tokyo. All right, I shall ask Google for directions. That's what I'm doing. Uh, it's uh, it's quite a ways, actually. It seems to be. Oh, that's quite a ways. Oh yeah, Hiroshima is a long ways off. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, 420 miles. Yeah. Now, is that? But uh, that's not as far as. Uh, Fukushima to no Fukushima uh, is 150 miles uh, to San Francisco. I mean, they, we're we're all worried about with the beaches. You know, that we have oh, radiation yeah. no, washing beaches. up on the beach. So, yeah, so I, I would be very worried about the actual nuclear explosions that killed people. That radiation could be frying you, Amy Goodman. You should be very very worried. She apparently got a, a paid speech, and that's why she's there. Ah, okay, gotcha. Here's, now she after now this last clip, which is Amy, Amy uh, number three Tepco. Now she has tried with this guy to get him to to be a like scary, she is a to be scary leader. to be scary. He's having none of it. He's yeah. actually doing what he's doing. Sounds like a really good idea. This this operation uh, Safe Code or whatever it is that is just monitoring. Safe it's cast. no big deal. Yeah, casts and so she says. Well, there's a new secrecy law. She started off with that. They're trying to they're trying to keep this information from the public. Is she reading so she, World World News Daily or something for show prep? What is she doing? So Info she's wars? now. She's got her. She knows she's got the ace in the hole. She's got the Tepco, those evil Tepco owners. She knows that they have to be <laughs> meddling with this guy. They're they're, they're screwing with him. The Coke, so wait, wait, the Coke brothers. The so Coke brothers have got to be involved. <laughs> so here we go with the final the, the coup d'état or the coup de grace that she thinks she's got here, and she's going to nail him here. Uh, we strongly believe that in order to have credibility, you need to check your data. <laughs> and uh, we in SafeCast, our goal is, is to uh, independently measure as citizens uh, if the data is correct or not. And the response of the corporation TEPCO, the Tokyo Electric Power Company, that uh, runs the, owns the uh, nuclear power plants to what you're doing? Uh, we have never been contacted by TEPCO, so I can't really give a good <laughs> I love how she closes the show right after that. I love when journalists waste my time by expanding the acronym. Yeah, right. This happens a lot, by the way, and and it and it. it, I think it's used to show some authority. Like, look how smart I am. I know what TEPCO stands for. Let's just listen to it again. And that guy's answer is genius. Uh, runs the, owns the uh, nuclear. And uh, oh, measure as citizens uh, if the data is correct or not. And the response of the corporation, TEPCO, the Tokyo Electric Power Company, that uh, uh-huh. runs the. Own- hold on, a, hold on a second. She must know. She must know her stuff. She uh, she knows the acronym. Owns the uh, nuclear power plants to yes. what you're doing. Yes. Uh, we have never been contacted by TEPCO, so I can't really give her good. <laughs> That's it. Good being on the road, everybody. (laughs) And then she signs off. She was just so disappointed with this guy. Somebody who does show prep or does booking must have gotten something screwed up because I'm sure the person, the booker, got 
chewed out because this guy did not perform as advertised. And I just love the response uh, from the uninformed towards these types of segments uh, where uh, you know, we always get the same thing. Are you talking about the the the, the various uh, douche segment of the chat room? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. if it's so safe, why don't you go do the podcast from Japan? <laughs> well, funny you ask, because we will be doing just that. I'm going to go to Japan with Miss Mickey. She's going to do a show in Japan. We hope. We already have, uh, you know, the, we have a Damon and Knight there. Oh, I'm sorry. We better hurry before they're dead. We got to go before. Yeah, <laughs> Sir Mark, gotta, you better get there in the next forty years. Sir Mark and Dame Ashford, they may be dead. You know, we can never make it in time. Uh, just Google Fukushima. Oh, no, not Fukushima. It was uh, uh, Hiroshima syndrome. Google that. Take a look at that guy's site. If you want some? Uh, it, it is catching on, though. I have to say, more and more people and uh, and alternative media are saying, "Hey, hold on a second. There's you know, there's a lot of misinformation out here and." There's a yeah, lot of, listen, Amy's saying there's three meltdowns. I mean, right there, that's a lie. That is a, it's a, a lie. Factually, it's a blatant lie. Yeah, there's no meltdown. And I don't, you know, we have, what gets me is, is in the chat room is that are there people that just listen to the show and think what we say, even though we document everything with either clips or actual documents, government documents, that, we, that we're just making this up? Yes. Yeah, no. And it, we're just... Why do they bother listening to the show? It's baffling. Are we that entertaining? No, it's no. I think yeah. Well, first of all, yes, we are. We of course we're entertaining. We're and we're. This is a comedy show after all. Um, but it is very. It is human nature for people to who are frustrated and angry uh, to project onto other people. This is what the whole gay thing in Russia is about. We talked about it in the last show. You know. Gays are being beat up all over the United States, all over Europe. We have Muslims, you know, terrorizing gays in Europe. I'm I'm calling them out. I can. It's true. This is what's happening. I, I speak some of the language over there. And then the same people who have Muslims <clears throat> being welcomed into their country um, and and being provided with social services who are 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 seriously terrorizing LGBTQIs. These are the same people who are the most vocal about Russia. It's easy, and, and and you're being manipulated by the Koch brothers. I'm telling you, it's all the Koch brothers. Koch brothers. Those Someone evil said, Koch brothers someone, are doing it all. So we were at we were at the uh, at the and this is by the way the Dell Long Center, which Michael Dell and his wife built. I have to say is it's a beautiful venue. It's right down the road from us, and uh, they have a donors lounge, uh, which was because uh, the the guy who invited us, uh, Eric, um, uh, he had a table. It was a, it was a good setup, and then. So this lady comes over and she's uh, she's a big MTV fan. And but she 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 spots Mickey first, and then she's oh I know who you are. And her husband uh, was the chairman of the board of the Dell Center. Um, and uh, and she's talking about and 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 she's what do you do? And I'm like well, um, I I didn't feel like saying I'm a bum and everything. So yeah, yeah. Podcast. Oh yeah, no, I've heard about your podcast. So you listen to it, no agenda. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I watch everything left and right, left and right. I watch Fox and I watch MSNBC, and it's crazy, crazy, crazy. And those Fox people are crazy. I said, well, you know, it's run by Democrats. Oh, smoke, John. Smoke came out of it. Like what? You mean it's not run by the Koch brothers? 
Ah, <laughs> like, uh, no. But why does everyone watch them? It's the, what I said, have you seen the legs on Fox News? And you know, now her eyes are rolling back in her head. I can't wait. She, she, she said she would listen, so. Uh, um, she but, won't listen because it's not video. Yeah, it is. Just, have you noticed that people? Oh yeah, you know I've seen your show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I'm sorry. We uh, that is you did not actually watch, did you? No. But the same with with the mincom. So we had a conversation about this concept of giving everybody a set amount of money, and uh, and that this has been tried and you know there's been tests, etc. And you know, we're just discussing it, right? And the and the first email I get is, oh, well, you should stop your value for value system then. Try that. This is the kind of emails. This is the this is exactly the kind of email. It's that I get. same guy. Why no, does he keep haunting us? <laughs> this was a different guy. Oh, it's a different guy with that same voice. I wonder if I can find that. Uh, it was funny, but I was just like, "Wow, why do you get all angry?" What you know? Instead of I, I, look, you can you can disagree, you can have opinions, but people who say, "Well, you should stop your podcast in Japan," you should do this. It's like just go away. Yeah, really. Go away. Crazy. Um, two of our producers, uh, they're youngins, I believe. Uh, let me just see where I have this. Um, we have Brandon and Carrie. And they, uh, so I guess Carrie is also, she's completely into legislation stuff. Um, and, and they're both uh, producers and they listen to the show. I believe they're relatively young, like 20s. And they sent me two bills, education bills from New York State, from the New York State Senate, which I had no idea this was going on. And and I was really astounded by the first one, Bill. And so these are proposed bills, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't go into law. Uh, A8186-2013, which on January 8th of 2014 was referred to education. So I'm pretty sure this will this will pass. An act to amend the education law, this is for New York State, in relation to including psychological screening for students in public schools as part of the required health certificate. Ooh. I did not know, first of all, that in New York State... A health certificate shall be furnished by each student in the public schools upon his or her entrance in such school and upon his or her entry into the grades prescribed by the commissioner in regulations, provided that such regulations shall require such certificates at least twice during the elementary grades and twice in the secondary grades. Yeah, this to make sure that people get their flu shots. This is done by the drug companies. So here's the new part. Performed and that the child is mentally fit to permit attendance at school. Each certificate shall also state the student's body mass index and weight status category. Nice. Should they do it? Maybe should check their teeth, make sure that they're sturdy and their and their coats are <laughs> shi- and their coats are shiny and make sure their their nails aren't too sharp. Yeah. For purposes of this section, body body mass index is computed as the weight in kilograms divided by the square of height in meters or the weight in pounds divided by the square, blah, blah, blah. This is very disturbing. They are now equating body mass index to mental health. And then the second one, Bill S142-2. This is all because of honey boo-boo. There's no (laughs) doubt about it. Well, okay. So this has now been referred to uh, the Education Committee, January 8th, 2014. This bill 
an act to amend the education law in relation to requiring persons in parental relation with a child of elementary school age to attend parent support programs. The purpose of this bill requires parents to attend support programs designed to enhance parenting skills. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. You are not doing it. This you would be clip not, of the day. You are not parenting properly. A summary of scientific provisions amends the education law, section 3212, subdivision 2, by adding a new paragraph, F. Requires parents of elementary school children to attend a minimum of four parent support instruction programs. <laughs> you must learn how to instruct your children. Prior to the child's advancement to the seventh grade. Requires employers to provide one day per year of paid job leave for the purposes of attending such instruction programs. Huh. Uh, wow. Good stuff. Amends the education law, section 319. This has got to be going on in a lot of Must states. Be. Requires the commissioner, in consultation with the Board of Regents, to develop guidelines for the content and distribution of a series of 12 parenting workshops. Provides that the topic of one such workshop shall be related to the physical, emotional, and sexual abuse of children. Requires that completion of four workshops prior to the child's They're graduation. They're going to have workshops on how to abuse children? <laughs> I hope so. Requires the completion of four workshops prior to the child's graduation from the sixth grade and shall be a requirement for advancement to the seventh grade. Mom, you've got to go to the workshop or I won't graduate. Wow. This is sad. Sad. It's also annoying to parents. You, it makes you not want to have kids. Maybe that's the point. Well, that could be. Huh. I have a couple of uh, oddball clips. I do have a one just a little, because uh, uh, I know you've got a bunch of stuff left, but I do have a little uh, entremont. Oh, an entremont. Little, that's the little thing that the little thing the chef has prepared specifically for you to cleanse your palate in between? Yes. And it comes in a little shot glass, and you but you can't drink. Usually, you, you yeah, don't know a if you shot should, glass. You don't know. I don't know should, why they're just gonna give you a shot of something. That'd be great. I don't know if you should drink it or you or you spoon it. You never quite depends. Know. Yeah, they usually they usually there's instructions that come with the entremont. I always like the chef, not the but chef has prepared this for you especially. No, he hasn't. Yeah. You got a whole fucking thing he did earlier. Don't bullshit yeah. me with that. Yeah, I know. I hate that. By the yeah, way, yeah. I will always want to throw it in the waiter's face when they say when they lie to me. And by, they're lying to me. And by the way, I've had a lot. It's a of, lie. I've had a lot of success in Austin with my 142 degrees. What temperature would you like your meat, sir? 142 degrees. Huh. Sixty-six. Yeah, you brought this up before. Kelvin. I forgot about it. I think I'm going to try it. Has someone not asked you this yet? Or you haven't been? No, out? no. In the West Coast, they still don't. How would you no. like it done? They're, they've not no, no, asked. No. What, what temperature? Temp no, in Los Angeles, it's some they Texas it. thing. No, it's Los Angeles is where I heard this first. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, well, it hasn't gravitated up here. Well, <laughs> thank God. That's why we gave you the Fukushima radio. If radiation. I hear that, I'm going to spit at the guy <laughs> and then throw my napkin down and walk out. <laughs> okay. So this is a new segment I want to see. Maybe you won't like it. You're always – I try these new segments all the time, trying to keep the show fresh. a living show. Fresh, fresh. I always try to keep the show a living, fresh, living show. And this one is going to be – this new segment is called Guess the Movie, and you have to guess the movie because I know you're a great movie buff. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Uh, Seymour Butts, 39. No, no, you got to uh, guess it after oh, the clip. Guess, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> guess. All right, guess the movie. And now uh, I see the clip is 40 seconds. Now, are you going to give me any frame of reference? Uh, no. Okay. Every, everyone, it's, such, it's such a classic clip that you'll right. guess it immediately. Everyone be quiet. I have to concentrate now. <laughs> Top Gun. Just play the clip, then guess. <laughs> wait, wait. This is much better. Akiro's own magic mixture. Let me help you. What do you think you're doing? Covering your wound. My wound is lower. We don't want an infection to spread. I'll spread your head open. This is what the world has come to. You try to help somebody, and what do you get instead of thanks? Threats. This is a dumb segment because I have. You're gonna guess or not? I have no idea. I have no. Conan the Destroyer, <laughs> starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh... All right, you're more of a movie buff. Not at all. Oh, I, what did I think that? I don't know. I I don't know anything about movies. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. I'll can the segment. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I can do that for you. I mean, you're a movie buff. You're the movie buff. You're just setting this up for when I'm dead. <laughs> so you have a segment. I'll be talking about movies. <laughs> and I went to the movies the other day. <laughs> it's John C. Dvorak's movie time, everybody. I like that movie. <laughs> uh, okay. couple things here. We, too, received uh, an email from uh, Target. Of course, we were uh, we we were part of the attack and had to have all our cards reissued. Miss Mickey got like a whole bunch of stuff going on, and she received the email from Target, which uh, I'm sure you've seen. Have you seen this email? You've heard about I it. I have right? not seen the email since I was not a, a, a targeted targeted oh. guy. Well, it's interesting because a lot of people who never even shopped at Target um, received oh. this email, and the email essentially says. Uh, we're going to get. Please click here to sign up for a free year of uh, consumer protection, consumer credit. Sure, protection. this just wasn't a scam email. Well, I, so Mickey says, "Oh, I got this email. It looks like a scam because it, it's it says target dot zero dot com or something." I'm like, "Oh, that's a scam." And I Google around, and it turns out they hired a marketing company to send out this email, but more egregious. Uh, when people, yeah, it's target.bfi0.com. Target news at target.bfi0.com. Um, so people start investigating. Yes, it turns out. Oh, yes, no, this is uh, this is this is legit. Um, and people are saying, well, hold on a second. I've never shopped at uh, at Target. How'd you get my email address? Oh, um, well, um, we this we just do this as normal course of business. And some evidence points to Amazon selling their email addresses to this marketing company, which is egregious. Um, I never got one of these letters, though. It still might come. Um, but more interesting, if you then click around and go through kind of the path, because they want to, they want you to sign up to Experian's. Uh, there's, there's basically three credit agencies. Experian is the one they're promoting. 
And immediately I got all kinds of other emails from other uh, companies. Oh, no, no, you, oh, you have to, uh, you definitely should uh, be using us. And I just looked at Experian, their vision, their vision statement on their website. Yeah. Our vision is for Experian's people, data, and technology to become a necessary part of every major consumer economy in the world. Oh, God. And this is why I'm, I'm just opting out. I'm not doing it. I'm cash. I'm debit card. Screw you. I'm not being a part of your stupid-ass system, which the president promotes. Very, huh. very, 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 very bad. Um, so, here, so here's a question for you, then. So the banks don't seem to care about this. You know, no, they don't care because they got it covered. And, and you're always harping on how J.P. Morgan has no problem coming up with $20 billion in fines. Right. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. So if you're J.P. Morgan, right, and uh, you, got this, you got these computers and everything, and, uh, and I, I really, this is a real, it may sound weird, this is a very serious question. And the government says, all right, you got to uh, give us $20 billion in fines. Now, is it inconceivable that they just send an email with a number with twenty billion on it and say, "Here you go," because you know that no one actually took a truck of money and said, "Here it is." Where, so, who actually controls this this money? And before you answer, is it not conceivable that the banks are in on that's a one big joke and they just like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just send this email, or you know, hey, what's your this pilot? What's your name, uh, Mike Rogers? Oh, we see you have a hundred thousand dollars in your account. We just added a zero. You now have a million. Is that not possible? I mean, who, I wish they would. Who? I mean, who tracks that? Who in the world tracks the numbers? Because seriously, I have let's say I have five thousand dollars in my bank account. It seems pretty easy if I knew the guy well enough. The Chase guy, he could just add a zero to that. Who would know? Where, where does does somewhere at the at the Treasury does an alarm bell go off? How does that well, work? I mean, it's all double entry accounting at some level, even on on the computer level. So if you put if you put a zero on thing, it's not going to balance. The books aren't going to balance, and someone's going to find that zero. That's the, the so I you're telling you're telling me you're telling I'm, me that all of these banks, all these electronic systems. All come come into into the Federal Reserve, I guess, and or the Treasury. Where is it? Is it both? And there's and there's so and at the end of the day, there's a guy there with a green visor and says, "Yep, equal numbers on both sides, boss. Good to go." Yes. Yeah, you can't answer. I know you can't because I no, I I don't know guys. I don't, if I knew how to, how the whole thing actually worked. That's why I think how it idealistically works. I don't know what's really going on because I, I don't know who does, but. It's not, they're not doing that. No. But the, what's They're not just throwing money away. But what's interesting is, and this kind of calls back to the beginning of the show, the way it's spoken about is the Fed's discount window. You know, like, like the, like, like, uh, Jamie Dimon is driving his, uh, his Lexus up to the Federal Reserve, rolls down the window. Hey! Got any money for me? And then, like, a big bag is handed out. <laughs> Isn't that the way you make it? Yeah, the, well, now that you mentioned it, that sounds a little like that because there's a window involved. Yeah, or the Federal Reserve is printing money. No, they're not. No, they're, they're not. not. Printing money. 
So I, I was just curious in the big system. Well, it, I mean, it's something that we should probably try to understand a little oh, better yeah, than I'd we do. To. And I don't I'd think uh, maybe there's somebody out there who's got a deep understanding that could just sit, sit us down and lecture us for a couple of hours or draw some yeah. stuff on a whiteboard <laughs> and show us how this works. But yeah, no, we don't know. But wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if, if so? Everyone, let's just presume everyone's and we in trust on the game. The system, we trust it. We trust yeah. it. So everyone's in on the game, uh, and then and everyone's like, "Look at that asshole, Jamie Dimon." People are going to f- find out, man. Stop, stop putting zeros behind everything. Stop sending the emails with the big zeros because people are going to find out it's just fake. It, it's one, well, if it's, it's fake, it seems to be working. It used to be backed by gold, I understand. And you could say, how much gold do you have? Well, this is how much gold I have, therefore you have this much money, kind of, more or less. That went away. That's been gone for a long time. So I just question, I just wonder. Yeah. I mean, so I always get these offers. If you, this, this cracks me up, by the way. Chase sends me an offer. If I put $15,000 in new money into an account... Uh, presumably that I have in my mattress, they will give me a check for $175. Right. And and so the first thing is like, who do you think I am? What marketing genius told you that I have $15,000 laying around the house? Because I send this offer all the time. And two, so uh, if they're going to add that to their computer, where does it get subtracted from? So it's just part of their their normal expenses. It's an expense, probably. Like any other bookkeeping that's done on any company. You put your 15000 in their bank, and they give you, and then they pull, they have this marketing budget, and they give you $175. Not, oh, no, I'm sorry, not that. So the 15000 it came from somewhere. Yeah, your other bank account. So, yeah, but... So that bank account is going to, re- where do they report this in? Hey, we got his 15. Hey, we lost his 15. Where does it get reported into? You understand my it's question? Re- yeah, the, the the electronic funds system has got oh, this. Uh, the electronic funds system. Okay. Right. Generally speaking, they're going to give you a check, and then you're going to take the check over there. You're not going to, it's not going to go over EFT. You're going to walk to one bank and do it by hand. You're going to get a check for the money. You could cash the check and take cash over yeah, to the yeah. I, I'm just, if you I'm, wanted to. I'm just wondering if someone is really tracking all this stuff. That's all. I have a feeling that's not well, being tracked. I hope tracked. they are. I have a feeling it's not being tracked, and it's a big joke, and we're not in on it. Well, it would be nice if it was a big joke and we can get a few zeros added to our accounts, but that's not. I don't see any evidence that it is. And if, it, if it's happening, we're definitely not in on it. Let's go back to Fukushima. <laughs> really? You weren't done? No, I got news, different stuff. This is a different report. Oh, this sorry. came from the. I'm sorry. This is not on Amy's watch. Oh, this okay. is about. This is just an interesting human interest or pig interest, I guess, uh, thing about what's going on with the hybrid pigs in Fukushima. Hmm. Next. Radiation, tainted soil, buildings left exposed to the elements. Areas within the evacuation zone of Japan's Fukushima prefecture face countless challenges in trying to reestablish themselves. People who lived in places where the contamination is relatively low are hoping to return within a few years. But they now face another impediment. While they've been gone, hybrids of wild boars and domestic (laughs) pigs have been moving in. 
Former residents of Tomioka have been cleared to spend the daylight hours in their town. But they've got company. Hey, wait a minute. This this guy's in the this is not a news gig. He's doing the he's doing like the the documentary for like the Sesame Street news. <laughs> And they've got company. <laughs> Hybrid pigs roam freely throughout the area. Unlike wild boars, they are not wary of humans. They don't run away even if people approach them. That also means they're not shy about making themselves at home. <laughs> This man has been returning to his home from time to time in hopes of eventually moving back permanently. One day, he found his house had turned into a pigsty. <laughs> I close the doors, but they open them and walk around with muddy feet. The pigs ate all the sugar and salt he had stored on his porch. They didn't stop there. Anything else that was edible, they got to, including cooking oil. <laughs> Wild boars do not enter homes. They hate the smell of humans. Hybrid pigs are different. Our smell makes them happy. I can't get it. I can't get one voiceover commercial yet. This guy is doing this gig. <laughs> the, the hybrid pigs' human smell makes them happy. If you want just a little background, a little a short bit, here's the hybrid pig story number two, which is gives some people some feeling about what, what's going on with these pigs. In Japan, hybrid pigs are raised for meat. They are the offspring of male wild boars and female domestic pigs. Whee! Their meat is said to be less fatty than that of ordinary pigs and to smell less. Like wild boars, the hybrids have ravenous appetites. They eat all types of food, including plants and meat. On the other hand, they resemble domestic pigs in their lack of fear of humans. So they're not shy about breaking and entering a human abode. Even as humans are required to stay away for the most part, the hybrid animal population is multiplying. I don't understand this our smell makes them happy business. What is going on with that? I have no idea what that's all about. <laughs> that's really And bad. I don't understand. Here's the other thing. If this was happening here, we'd just shoot the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they can't shoot anything. They don't even got a bow and arrow. I mean, it's like the whole... The whole this one guy's house has been ruined by these pigs, pigs. and he can't do shit about it, and he can't get them to leave. Goddamn can't pigs. kick them. You know, um, I've been saving this clip um, for a couple, no, maybe a week and a half, and it ties into your, your Fukushima reporting. This is from World Radio Japan News. I, I love listening to um, other countries' world news. First of all, it's in English, but then you do get some local reporting. You know there's some propaganda in there. Uh, but this may explain... I don't know if it explains the hybrid pigs, <laughs> but it may explain Amy going in to try and wreak havoc and make everybody afraid. Japan's government has approved a 10-year business plan from Tokyo Electric Power Company that relies on restarting nuclear reactors to turn its business around. You see? We can't have that. 
we got to get our gas over there, people. We can't have that. We can't oh, that's have an interesting report. Don't start. Well, we this. do know from experts that two of the reactors are fine. Well, here we go. Industry Minister Toshimitsu Motegi on Wednesday gave approval of the plan to TEPCO President Naomi Hirose. The utility was effectively put under state control after the 2011 nuclear crisis at its Fukushima Daiichi plant. We're not pronouncing it right. Fukushima Daiichi. You're not pronouncing it right. Fukushima. Try it. Fukushima. The chairman of the steering committee for the state-backed fund for nuclear accident compensation, Akio Harada, was also present. Under the plan, TEPCO hopes to begin restarting reactors in stages at its Kashiwazaki Kariwa plant in Niigata Prefecture from July. The utility envisions earning an annual pre-tax profit of between $950 million and $1.4 billion by resuming nuclear power generation and rebuilding aging thermal power plants. The utility says it will then gradually lower electricity fees by up to $9.6 billion annually over the following decade. The firm plans to set aside $19 billion to create a task force to deal with contaminated water and to dismantle reactors at the Fukushima plant. The business plan also says profits from sales of TEPCO shares held by state-backed compensation fund will be used for decontamination efforts. The utility plans to close all 10 of its branches in its service area and to reduce its group workforce by 2,000 employees. TEPCO says these efforts will cut costs by about $46 billion, helping the company become a competitive business. Competitive against our gas. Yeah. That's a great report. I didn't know that. that, that, Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's an okay report because... Wow, how boring do they make radio over there? <laughs> that's really that's, yeah. It couldn't be any duller. That's true. That's pretty bad. I got a, a bulk. Do you still write for Market Watch? No, I stopped writing for Market Watch. They changed. All everybody left. All the good editors and they. Oh yeah. Okay. Left some nutballs in there, and, and who, I got who's kicked it, off. What's this Business Insider publication? Are you familiar with the Business Insider? Yeah, that's what's his name's operation. Um, who does that? You know the guy. Oh, that guy. I don't keep, I don't know why I can't remember. Here, let me get his name. Business in it I like the name by the way. I think I think it's a good no, name. No, it's very well very well um a good name. It's well executed, let's put it that yeah. way. Okay. Um, so here's this um this is I just want to point out how some things work sometimes too. It's important because it's a Sunday and there's you know there's a lot of technology news and stuff. And I, I want to just show people how this works. So I get a lot of emails from people with the following headline. Hackers have used the refrigerator. And uh, and these hackers uh, apparently have used... And, and Ars Technica, everyone's reporting this. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, it happened between December 23rd, January 6th. And I'm like, what, what, what is going on? You know, where can I find out more about this? I, I did what we call journalism, <clears throat> which is basically just reverse. You actually looked, at, looked into it. Yeah. And so it comes from a, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> you okay? A hairball. It comes it from a press release, which is uh, posted on MarketWatch from the company Proofpoint Inc. So now here, now, so here we have, Businessinsider.com, Ars Technica, 
all talking about this. Oh, it's the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things is, is attacking you. The Internet of Things. And you go look at these guys, proofpoint.com, who essentially sell some kind of secure email product. <laughs> and he, and so, Proofpoint Research, Internet of Things, IOT, Cyber Attack Security. In January 2014, Proofpoint researchers discovered proof of a much-theorized but never-before-seen Internet of Things cyber attack. Proofpoint has observed that we believe to be an industry first of devices, including some home appliances, TVs, and a refrigerator, sending malicious email spam. And they go on to, they have nothing. They don't even have a, um, a it's one page. They don't have a report. They don't have a white paper. All they've got is links to their product, which is the Proofpoint next generation email product. And they're claiming that a more detailed examination suggested while a majority of mail was initiated by expected Internet of Thing devices, IoT, such as compromised home networking devices, routers, and uh, network. Wait, are you telling me this ran as a press release on MarketWatch? Yes. And it was, this bullcrap story ran on MarketWatch, uh, just yes. a straight-up press release yes. unedited? Yes. Wow. Yes. And it was, but it was worse. It's picked up by Ars Technica, which is the Bible for most technology shows, as oh my God, the Internet of Things is being attacked, <laughs> and and they 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 have nothing. It is it is they have nothing. All they it's just a, a press release, and they have no report. They have no uh, evidence. No no paper on their research. They're just saying we did research. Here's what we discovered. Nothing. Proof they point. just said it. They didn't even show anything. Nothing. There wasn't even a PowerPoint deck. But the, no. <laughs> and then here at the bottom of their page, Proofpoint targeted attack protection trademark represents the industry's first comprehensive solution for combating targeted threats using a full life cycle approach, monitoring suspicious messages as they come in and observing user clicks as they attempt to reach out by using big data analysis techniques and a cloud architecture. Proofpoint can identify. Oh my God, I could have written this. Proofpoint can identify suspicious messages, even if Did that you message read something like this and some other thing recently in one of the shows. Another crock of crap. I think it was on the Business Insider. It sounds like the same guy wrote it. Uh, it doesn't have a. There's no name on this. I don't know who. No, no. So press releases never have a name except they, they'll put right. some contact name. I, I, what I would like everyone to do, a lot of people, uh, we have a lot of sysadmins, a lot of people who listen to this stuff, uh, pay attention to how this story is going to, the, the refrigerator that attacked, okay? The Internet of Things. Attack of the refrigerator. And put it in the Red Book. I guarantee you a senator or a congressman will use this story for some bullshit legislation. And this is the genesis of In the new Red it. Book. And in, in the new Red Book. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's actually leather... I hate to say this. Leather bound? It's leather bound, but it's made out of black leather. Mm. So I have to just, it's just called the Red Book now. It's not actually red. <laughs> it's any. not actually red anymore? Well, it's yeah. not very official. It's like one hour cleaners. Um, so uh, I, I did want to just say, um, we have a sysadmin who emailed us. And he says, oh, I'm a sysadmin. I just want you to understand what a lot of this is coming down to. Uh, when it comes to the target hack... All the all this cyber crap. He says, "Follow the money." This is the. It's called PCI DSS. Did you get this email? No. What's it called again? PCI DSS. 
payment card industry data security standard. Oh, okay. And this is what it comes down to. Gents in the morning, longtime listener uh, here in East Texas. Uh, a little hard to hit people in the mouth in East Texas. They're too strongly in the Republican camp to change, but I do what I can. Uh, I wanted, it comes as no surprise to see the Target game as an industry move to impose PCI DSS. Uh, you will be forced to comply with this, which you don't have to at the moment, but just watch. Now, he explains what happened to... He has a uh, a group that does uh, some camping things. I think it's a church group. He says, here's what ha- what happened to us. Uh, in order to even get a, a payment processor, and the PCI DSS is... Uh, it's basically run by the uh, the payment processors, by the banks and the credit card companies. So they hit you per transaction to maximize the hurt. I work at this uh, camp in East Texas. We're going through PCI compliance. Here's how the money's made. It costs us 15000 to have a guy fly out to tell us what we needed to do. Then they run a pen test to pick apart your firewall. The whole thing is set up so they can push you to their vendor partners to fill in the gaps. It costs us 10000 to get PCI-compliant card readers that encrypt the PAN data at the point of swiping. The card readers only work with certain processors, so we had to get a new processor to use them. They're logging and reporting tools that set us back another 45000 then firewall and switching upgrades that hit us for another 20000 and now we have endless documentation to keep up the ridiculous policies that we have to adhere, though, adhere to. Then we get to do the gap assessment and pen test every year. It only gets worse as you take in more money and the number of transactions go up. I believe they see the money to be made and want to make PCI mandatory by law. There are major companies that just pay the fines because the fines are cheaper than the cost of becoming compliant. And if you uh, look at the PCI DSS uh, organization website, which is PCISecuritySTANDARDS.org, it tells you why you should comply with PCI security standards. But let's just look at what happens if you are not compliant. If you are not compliant, it could be disastrous. Possible negative consequences also include lawsuits, insurance claims, canceled accounts, payment card issuer fines, and government fines. So this is this is it. PCI DSS. Ah, I think that's a great find. You could use this. We will follow this closely. This is. I think you're dead on. It's one of these things you create. I've seen this. This is a type of marketing, by the way. And the way it works is that if you create a product that would include. Uh, information that would keep you out of trouble and you don't use the product and you get in trouble, the people putting you in trouble, in other words, the people suing you, will point to your product Mm -hmm. and ask them why they're not using that. (laughs) It's actually a a, a friend of mine did this with some accounting uh, stuff. (coughs) He created a disk that had... All the accounting suits or something, some crazy bunch of data. And he realized that what he'd had, he was a marketing guy that was one of the greatest I've ever met. He said that once this thing was finished, you had to buy it because if you didn't have it, you would get sued <laughs> because you were not having it. Exactly. And that's Smart. what this sounds like. This Smart. sounds like the exact same sk- yeah. scheme. Well, I thank our producer, uh, our sysadmin producer, who I specifically left his name and his organization out. Uh, he's the one that turned me on to the PCI DSS. I put like five, six, seven uh, links in the show notes uh, so you can read up on it. Uh, but it seems like a like a shoe in. Seems like you know. And look, yeah, just listen to that money. He's got a little little church group. Some way to invest in anything having to do with this PCI DSS. Well, ask Horowitz. 
I'm going to now. I'll put him on that track. We'll probably have a couple good stock picks on the next good. DHM. Good, good, good. Uh, I've been promising turkey stuff. I have one, two, th- I have like 15 links. I found a great new resource, an online resource for turkey and Turkish information. Good. I'm having dinner Monday with uh, one of our producers here who's way into this. Um, of course, we have uh, our producer who speaks and reads Turkish, and he's so I'm really all over it. But something changed, something happened. Uh, so far, we kind of have two theories. Either one, uh, Erdogan and the Gulenist movement are working together to create some controversy so that Erdogan can you know, be certain of uh, re-election and clamping down, or um, we have the, uh, the CIA and the American intelligence agencies who are protecting the, the now opposition to the Erdogan government and are doing what we typically do, which is create a ruckus, have stuff explode, people get angry, protests in the street, and then, you know, we got to kick one guy out and bring our guy in, which would probably be a Gulenist, someone from the Gulen camp. And something new happened, besides the, the Turkish lira hitting a new low against the dollar, so the, the financial crisis is in place. We wanted that, and all of a sudden we have people, it's not reported on, you're not going to see it on CNN, unless Justin Bieber is in Turkey. Um, there are now protests against a, quote, draconian internet bill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the big news that was on all the uh, all the alternative media. So that means Turkish Spring. Ah. Seriously, think about it. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what you want. You want people on the street. Well, we, you can't do away with internet freedoms. Oh, no. And, you know, then what's, what's the douchebag from NPR? To, uh, the tweet guy, Carvin. Andy, uh, Randy Carvin. Oh, I'm tweeting with Turkey now. I'm retweeting Turkey. Oh, they're trying to shut down the internet. Oh, Facebook can't use Facebook. Oh, yeah, there'll be an internet in a box. Internet, internet in a box. What else? Should we, go? we can just. I guess it's internet in a suitcase is what they call it. Yeah, we'll have yeah internet in a suitcase. We'll have we're gonna have some superstar who's retweeted by Randy Andy Randy Andy Carvin. It's, yeah, no, you're right. It sounds like it's a fractal. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, the fractal. It's, it's yeah. Well, it's a big fractal. I don't even know what we haven't used the fractal thing in so long. I don't know where the fractal jingle is, which is fractal. sad. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It sounded kind of like that. I was also just going to call. Uh... Hey, CNN, get Pooper over to Turkey. Will do. Anderson, Anderson Pooper to Turkey. Anderson Pooper to Turkey. <laughs> get on the square, buddy. Get get into Istanbul. Time to go. Don't cross that river. They don't like your kind on the other side of the river, son. They don't like your kind over there. Why am I doing this southern accent when I'm talking about homosexuals? You're getting a te- slight Texas accent. Sounds good. I'm trying. I'm really trying. Yeah, just listen and you'll get it. <laughs> Uh, I, I can. You might want to modify it by talking through your teeth. All right, son. Listen there up. You go. This is how we do it here in Austin. In Austin, uh, by the way, the guys who were protesting, they were doing the hunger strike uh, against fluoridation of Austin's water. Yeah. They're gone. Oh, they got paid off finally. <laughs> they might have been. I don't know. They were just. I thought they were going to go for at least a month. They said, and they were gone, just gone. Day fourteen, gone. I don't know. They. I don't know if they died of hunger, or if they, <laughs> if they were picked up or paid off. I don't know. I don't know. Very okay. I, I got one final clip. All right. <clears throat> it's kind of interesting. 
Just I just because there's a little rant involved. All right. Play the clip Egypt votes yes. Egypt votes yes. A resounding yes. 98% of voters in Egypt give the thumbs up to the country's new constitution, which will replace the charter adopted under the ousted president, Mohamed Morsi. Okay, just for all the uh, people out there that live in places like Egypt, there is no such thing as 98% vote yes. <laughs> if everybody agreed to it, more than 2% would vote no just out of some crackpot's idea. It's impossible. Every time you hear 98% vote yes or 98% anything, it's, that doesn't mean, all it means is that this was a corrupt vote. Well, I don't understand. <clears throat> 98% of scientists agree on climate change. Yes, another example. You mean that's it's not- impossible to put, you can put t- 10 people, as I always say, 100 people that all agree on something in a room to vote on it, and numerous n- members of that group will vote no. Uh-huh. Just the way it is. And this is, the, so I just thought, that, okay, this is going to be interesting. So in other words, we've taken over the place. <laughs> anyway, I've got nothing. i got other stuff. But we move it to Thursday. i got other stuff. i got some great uh, Agenda 21 stuff for Thursday. Um, They're talking reunification in Korea. Yeah? Not being reported here. Interesting. Where's it being reported? It's being reported in South Korea. Interesting. Reunification, huh? Yeah. Our worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Well, we certainly do appreciate uh, your support of the best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org slash NA is where you can uh, find out how to support us. <clears throat> Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. <laughs> Tell your sysadmins. Telephone. <laughs> I will be back uh, on Thursday to bring you more and uh, keep it coming, everybody. You guys are not just supporters financially, but uh, the information you give us is great as well. And be on the lookout for the white paper in the show notes. I'll be tweeting it as well about the bogative soak the Western media entertainment business law in Russia. And coming to you from FEMA Region 6 here in Austin, Texas in the morning, everybody. My name is Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where I am bingo today, but I'm actually John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda. The best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org slash N-A.